0: You're listening to the Heroes Podcast Network.
1: Hello, all you friendly Force users out there, and welcome to another episode of Echo Station Podcast. This is our season finale, so... Sit tight, it's going to be a long one.
2: Very long. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah, I am your host, Chris, and I am, of course, here with my co-host, lovely Ian.
2: Hello, I'm lovely Ian.
1: And just as our opening episode um, went, we are joined by a fantastic guest, Lawrence. Hello, Lawrence.
0: Hello, hi, everybody. Uh, thank you very much for having me back, and of course, happy holidays to everybody.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, happy holidays. Gosh, that's coming up <laughs> in just a few days
0: right it's it's, a,
2: it's it's almost here
1: it's a thing it's a thing yeah and you know it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the holidays without a big star wars thing yeah no
2: exactly yeah we ended uh the holidays last season with the season finale of mando so we're doing it again
3: Yes.
2: hooray because we're a one trick pony
1: oh yeah <laughs> uh so we will be covering three episodes the last three episodes of the Mandalorian. no news because we covered all of the news in our last episode.
2: So um, much news.
1: So much news. Uh, which just dropped a few days ago, so if you want a in-depth discussion of everything that dropped two Thursdays ago, all the big Disney Star Wars news, then yep. check that episode out.
0: But... Which one addendum for the super news at the end of the season finale.
2: Yes. Oh, yes. Which... <laughs> Which we're, we were kind of wondering, like, huh they didn't announce what we were thought they were going to announce, but they announced it in a different way.
1: Yeah. So we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that.
2: Which I wasn't mad about, but. Okay. So let's let's just kick things off, shall we? All
1: right. Let's do it. Okay. So episode sixteen.
2: No. No.
1: No. No. Sorry. Fourteen. Fourteen. <laughs> I can math. I swear. I used to teach math. I swear math good (laughs) Math great it's new math it's
3: space math
2: yeah so yeah episode 14 uh this episode for sure like redeemed my whole uh faith in boba fett
1: that was a pretty it was a pretty badass episode
2: as i think it did for most people as a whole yeah
1: it was a great episode um I have issues. Well, I mean with we, we discussed something. at the
0: beginning we
3: Sorry,
0: you know we discussed at the beginning of the season that we we might be looking at kind of that unforgiven man redeemed arc.
3: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: And sure enough, um that seems to be where we're going. Uh not to say that he is necessarily a good guy, but he's been on a path to, we'll say, fulfillment and redemption.
1: Yeah, I don't think I don't think you can I don't think you can put Boba Fett in a box and just check off the boxes, that kind of thing. No. And I think Boba Fett serves his own creed, I think, you know, his own morality. And so it doesn't mean that he's a bad guy, and I don't think it means that he's a good guy. He just does what he does. He's gray. He's very gray.
2: He, you know, goes to the highest bidder, basically.
1: Yeah, and sometimes that's him. Sometimes the bidder is him.
2: Yeah.
0: I I think he is the uh, quintessential uh, man surviving in a chaotic world, as he says, just trying to make it through the galaxy like his father, which, by the way, was a great pull. Uh, Love that line. And I I have to imagine that he was um, uh, reviewing how he delivered it in the past so he could get just that iteration. Um, But I think that's what makes his character so compelling. And then as they this is a hint as to the next season, I mean the next episode, but as as he is more fleshed out, we are able to kind of both retcon what it what has gone on and connect it to all the various points about, well, what about the helmet and what about the armor and what about this and what about that?
3: Mm-hmm. So
0: they're able to, to tie up a lot of loose ends and then fill in that tapestry uh, payoff after basically um, 40 years of everybody going, well, is he really that much of a badass? Because, you know, he was in the, the movies early on for maybe a total of six and a half minutes yeah um uh, well yes he is that much of a badass yeah.
1: exactly
2: yeah because that was my logic before because i'm like he he looks cool but he doesn't do jack shit in the movies he's some great things in the comics and the video games but he he didn't do anything on film and that's what a good majority of star wars fans still watch are just the films they don't watch the tv shows they don't watch the they don't play the games they don't read the comics it's just you know a lot of them still are just you know films and that's it and film wise he didn't do anything
3: he
1: looked really cool he was a bounty hunter which you know is a cool thing to be yes he looked awesome
0: and and he he ran away
1: with han solo so you know people just kind of took that and extrapolated that well this guy must be badass yeah
0: right and and let me go ahead and give a shout out to to our original boba fett who just passed jeremy bullock because part of what sold it you know 40 years ago was literally how he walked. He walked like mm-hmm. this badass gunslinger, even more so that he he was so badass that even Hans Solo was genuinely concerned about him. So you you always knew that that walk uh, that Jeremy delivered was setting him aside. And then that great line, um, which kind of that was part of the beauty of star wars we didn't we didn't know all the backstory back then it it left it to the audience to fill in but that great line from darth vader no disintegrations
3: yes
0: (laughs) So yeah i mean he clearly had a legend which i have a feeling the book of boba fett might allow for some uh backstory which is kind of a, a hint as to what's coming but but um it was just fantastic to go ahead and see tamar morrison now the blanks and um and build off of what Jeremy Bullock had done and then what he had done also as, or what tomorrow had done as Django.
2: Agreed. Um, so what'd you guys think of Robert Rodriguez directing this episode?
0: Oh, fantastic.
1: Yeah, no, it worked great. Uh, what was the name of this episode again? Oh. This chapter.
0: I think the tragedy because maybe Oda's yes. capture.
2: That's right, the tragedy. Yes, the tragedy. Tra- da-
1: da- da-
3: da- da.
2: Yes, that one. <laughs> Um, yeah, I never really thought Robert Rodriguez and Star Wars would mix, but I was very wrong.
1: No, it worked. It really worked. Um, yeah, the, the pacing of the action was interesting, uh, you know, the fighting with the stormtrooper platoons that just kept coming in waves. It felt very much like a video game, like, oh, all right, let's get
3: Here's
1: ready for wave- the next wave. Yep.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. And I also love that, you know, you could definitely tell that you could see his directing style in that episode with how uh the camera angles when they were on boba fighting the stormtroopers with the gaffy stick that's definitely his his brand of directing and i quite enjoyed
0: that
1: yeah seeing the oh, gaffy and stick and as its weapon of choice was really cool too yes.
2: very much
0: and it was very kinetic fighting like you could feel yeah that like that was oh yeah and don't get me wrong there was definitely some tomorrow morrison i think um, flair on there some Maori genuine
1: oh he's got power behind him
0: yeah hand-to-hand yeah. hand knowledge there uh, but it completely worked I mean it, it was absolutely believable well and he said I believe in
2: an interview after the episode came out that the the tribe that he has come from uh personally that they use a lot of, of those weapons that they look like oh the gaffy okay. sticks. that's cool so to have that kind of resonate with him and have him actually use it on screen was very cool to see and very, like, fulfilling, I believe, is how he described it.
0: As an audience um, uh, that just is sitting there passively, you could feel like uh, he was into it. So I I think that's a credit to what he brought. And then, you know, probably Robert just saying, do what you got to do.
2: Exactly. Um, I also like that this episode, that it was shot actually outside. It wasn't on the main soundstage. Because, hmm. I don't know if you guys saw or not, but there was some lady months and months and months ago, either on an Instagram video or a TikTok video, one of the two, she stumbled upon filming. <laughs> like oh, no. She was no. hiking. She was hiking a and, hike. <laughs> well, she was hiking, yeah, and she found a bunch of these stormtroopers and the transports and stuff and filming. And hmm. luckily, she didn't get a shot of Boba because that would have spoiled everything. It was just stormtrooper stuff. But she, like, they never saw her. They were filming and they never saw her, I guess. Which is very funny to me. That is. Wow. Like you just kinda of hike and then like, oh, there's a bunch of stormtroopers and film cameras and they're actually filming and like there were explosions and Jeez. no one no one bothered to look up and say, Oh, that's a person in a jogging outfit that doesn't belong here. I'm surprised they so, didn't have like a perimeter security setup. Yeah, or Turn a corner just
0: and a whole other galaxy.
2: Well, you know, and when you hike and stuff, you go, you know, every which way on a path. So they mm-hmm. could have missed something and you know, yeah. Uh, but so, okay. Let's 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 break down this episode a little bit. So, Mando has to take Grogu to the Seeing Stone that Ahsoka told him about. Yes. And I wasn't expecting it to look the way it did. I was expecting something else. I don't, wasn't expecting like a little mound on a obelisk type it's deal. Is
1: very Skyrim, The Witcher, Jedi place of power.
2: Yes, I wasn't expecting quite that feel but I liked it. Yeah,
1: well and it makes sense if it's really ancient.
2: It does. Uh and I I liked how, you know, he's like, okay, do your thing and baby's just like, do your thing. Well I don't know what to do. Sure. Uh <laughs> fun. Place the call. Yeah, yeah. Call collect. Let's go. Call Come collect, on. let's go. Uh our younger it, our
1: younger listeners are like Yeah, what's
2: a collect? Is call a
1: collect? What, what is does collect? that mean?
2: <laughs> uh he had so a baby, it's a boy. E- <laughs> He eventually, you know, he he gets to the operator, and I absolutely love seeing him do, like, his, like, little zen pose that he does. So cute. It was the funniest thing ever, and I, I quite enjoyed seeing him kind of just channel, for the first time, really, we've seen him use the Force a few times, but this is the first time he's really used the Force in that way. Mm-hmm. So I quite enjoyed that.
0: I, I think it is uh, remarkable that we are able to get such an emotional charge off of again, you know, a three D puppet. But it, it it really does feel like when he's communicating with the force, doing that long distance, you know, ATT T et phone call. Um, like we, we're there with him. Like we hope he acts. Um, and then. And then that adds to the drama of the whole thing, because once he's got that open call and, you know, Mando's like, well, we got to go, it's like, that he's full commit. There's no way for him to stop. And mm-hmm. it actually worked to uh, heighten the tension in the whole episode, because as much as, you know, Mando wanted to save him, he actually was not able to.
2: Yes. It's, I mean, as soon as, you know, Mando goes down to investigate the ship uh and when boba confronts him and says take out the jetpack you knew right then and there that he wasn't gonna be able to save the child absolutely you knew right then and there it's like oh that's a convenient plot point look at right. that yeah uh but let's talk about that scene for a minute because that was a very tense standoff oh yeah and it was great
1: uh, finnick roll in again i mean we we yes. we knew we knew in our hearts that's who it showed up.
2: Oh yeah. But at the, we never uh, got that confirmation the until
1: season. yes.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, but it was nice to have her back. We're we're big fans of Ming-A-Win. And now um, she's a
0: cyborg. <laughs> she's just
1: super cool.
0: Uh, I she's I think she's doing uh, the voice in her own kind of spin-off show. So I mean that was a fantastic save to bring her back. I do wonder if she was intended to come back or just because the audience after her episode in the first season, you know, was so uh, enthralled with her, her appearance in Star Wars. Because I think now she's the only actress to do the Grand Slam for Disney Princesses. Yeah. Uh, being in the MCU, Star Wars. Um, oh, yeah.
1: And she's a princess. Yeah.
0: And she's a princess. I was
1: literally just talking about this today. That's funny. Um, as much as Star Wars has a tendency to kind of fly off the cuff with their plot points from movie to movie, show to show. I do think this was pre-planned.
2: I agree. You don't hire Ming-Na Wen for one episode and then kill her off. You don't. Yeah. So I'm with
0: you on that, but I got to tell you, that was one of my grievances this season was like, you don't bring back my man, Michael Bean for one episode and then blow him away. I'm going to end my rant right there. but i just was screaming at the screen when that happened so i hope he's all cyborged up too at some point it was pretty memorable (laughs) it was
2: it was a memorable death it wasn't you know they gave him a good death at least yeah yeah with Phoenix, she was shot by some punk ass kid so it's like
3: oh god
0: and that's a good point that was not an honorable death no we're getting a little cling on here but it was not a good death no No, it it wasn't
2: (laughs) and we can fully say that uh but yeah, and also we tweeted out, you know, the Fets surely have a type with their um, uh, female uh, counterparts because Django, <laughs> yeah. had, Django had Zam who hit her face mm. and was a sniper shot and, you know, worked with him a bunch of times. And now we have Fennec who hides her face, is a good shot with a sniper rifle. It and makes
1: sense as a second to have somebody around like that.
2: It does. Yeah. It's just funny how you see the parallels between Zam and uh, Fennec, although yeah. Finnick, you know, survives a lot longer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she doesn't get any limbs cut off of her at least. Yes. <laughs> Unlike poor Zam. Uh, so I I really did like how he was like, you know, that's no, I don't want your armor. I want my armor. Yes. Right. Like that that is mine. And it was my father's before me. And people kind of thought that he forged his own armor. He didn't know, people thought that, didn't think that he took Django's armor and, you know, they made his own. To, yeah, yeah, but he, I guess he, he did. So that's kind yeah, of Yeah, cool.
1: I like that idea that it's, it is his father's, but he reskinned it, so now it's his.
2: Yes, but how awkward must that have been for young Boba to go back to Geonosis and like drag his dead, like headless father's corpse and like strip him of his armor.
1: yeah.
0: Now you do what you got to do.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there's probably there's probably Highly good, traumatic. There's probably a good backstory for that to be included in some later episodes or in a book or whatnot, to have that moment of how he gets the armor back. That would be interesting to see explored. I
2: agree. Um, so also, we also get a great uh, I guess precursor to the First Order dropships with the Imperial dropships.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was something I noticed, that same kind of scooped mouth um, Mm -hmm. isosceles triangle opening type thing. Um, Given that the First Order doesn't rise for, I think, what, another 15 or 20 years, it's it's an early design along the path, Um, but certainly it's nothing we had seen before, so I think they're trying to go ahead and show uh, the early pieces, plus it it definitely to the underlying Um, B-plot that's happening uh, in our adventures with Moff Gideon and everything else that's going on. So that was a very nice little touch to show how we're um, still connected to the trilogies we know, uh, or rather the original trilogy, but then the early seeds of of where we're going are are starting to show up.
2: As soon as I saw it, I was like, that looks suspiciously like a First Order dropship, and sure mm-hmm. enough when it, you know the the ramp comes down i'm like oh this is this is like you know this is the baby this is the yeah. the the precursor
1: it's funny because my my daughter caught that before i did so oh she really comes up and i was, was kind of looking at it like what is that it kind of looks familiar but what is that and she's like it looks like a transport i'm like oh it totally is it's a troop transport
2: Hmm. uh so let's let's talk about the fact that Stormtroopers are stupid.
1: No, I mean,
2: <laughs> we know this. And they really can't shoot for shit. Like, Jesus.
1: Well, the Empire is, you know, more or less just a ragtag team at this point. They're probably scraping the bottom of the barrel for people to actually be stormtroopers. Yeah, it, it's pretty, it's gotta be pretty well known that the armor does jack.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it was, I mean, it was great seeing them, you know, deploy and stuff like that. But I'm like, this, y'all don't stand a chance. No. No. They
3: really
2: don't. They, they don't
0: but, but I will go ahead and say it was fun to, or refreshing to actually see, like, this is the first time we, we've had anything other than a straight frontal assault. Like, they actually split off a unit
3: mm-hmm. to
0: work the, like, there was actual tactics here, which I oh, yeah. have seen. Um, and that was refreshing setting up the E-Web, We've never seen the mortar outside of a out of a game. Um, yeah, that was the first time I was seeing
2: that. That was cool.
0: So yeah, I mean, it was nice to see tying into the larger universe, and that they're not completely incompetent. But you knew how this was going to go anyway. Yeah, um, and the only thing that. Um, that the armor really is good for i think is filtering out smoke and and intimidating people which don't get me wrong oh yeah
1: no it's, it's huge intimidating. Intimidating. yeah it's very intimidating especially with the clackers
0: yeah yep um
2: also the reward for a stupid person in this episode also goes to mando because how many times <laughs> did he try and like get the baby out of the the call basically
1: i know i was like why are you still trying to do this did you
3: what,
2: what? <laughs> uh first time i get it obviously you don't know what's gonna happen but like two and three sir you come on fool me once shame on was, you fool me twice he was desperate bad. he was desperate uh so basically they have at one point just finnick and uh actually just finnick at one point she's taking on stormtroopers i absolutely love the shot of her when she's running down the uh rocks and she just jumps. Looks back and hmm. just hip fires. She doesn't even look at the scope at all. I'm like that's a hard oh, yeah.
0: duty move. What are you? What is this? <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, and, and it goes to why she's a, such a badass and and Boba's partner. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. You know he doesn't have he doesn't have second tier folk with him. He he has equals working with him.
2: Agreed, and it's I really did like her, and she has become one of my new favorite characters. I think on the show.
1: Yeah, I enjoy Finnick quite a bit.
2: That wasn't like originally introduced in like you know Clone Wars or Rebels or anything like that. Like she, hmm. new character wise, I really really enjoy it, and I can't wait to wait to see what we see next of her throughout the next series and also uh, Bad Batch and she's gonna be in that too. So awesome. Uh, but so Chris, what wrap up the episode? Wrap, give give talk talk more.
1: Ooh, so. <laughs> All right, so Finnick and, um, and Boba, you know, their, their standoff is in it because we, they're interrupted by a bunch of um, stormtroopers that show up on the planet who are obviously here to take the child. Um, and so the three of them easily dispense with the stormtroopers because as we said, they suck. <laughs> um, but the baby is still stuck in this weird telepathic portal tube, um, which I was thinking about earlier also, in my mind, I was wondering if this teleportation or not teleportation um, communication device is like, like a like a Ouija board, you know, like where you don't know what you're talking to.
3: You're oh, just, okay. You're
1: just calling out into the void. You don't know who you're calling out to. So maybe you'll get a Jedi, but maybe you'll get something else.
2: I didn't think about that.
1: Yeah. So I, I would like to, you know, if you're just putting out a distress call, anybody's going to pick that up. You know, it, you gonna know, gonna it may be friend yeah. or foe. Yeah, exactly. So that's something I think we might want to keep in mind for the future and see where that goes.
2: Because someone else could um, have heard that call, too. It could have been anybody more than one person.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. Uh, uh, so while they're distracted, we've got another transport that comes up or kind of like just out of the sky we see these black dots sort of zooming in and it is the dark troopers
2: and they're full glory
1: in their full glory uh which it's not what i originally thought the dark troopers were going to be i did think they were going to be sort of some weird force using clone hybrid trooper things
2: i thought they were too but then i guess no so
1: but they took it in a different direction which we'll get to later um and I and I was already questioning it at this point as we were finally getting a really good look at them. Just the way they're built, it makes you question what was in the suits.
2: It, it's an Iron Man suit.
1: It's an Iron Man suit. That's what I said. <laughs> they went full MCU. John Favreau Starling.
2: loves his Iron Man suit. So does he, life incorpor-
1: does love his Iron he
2: incorporated Man that in there. They're fully robotic. There's no one yes, inside the are. suit. But that, you know, John Favreau's like, listen, let me just let me just we're just gonna do this.
1: Yeah. And they are, they are terrifying. Um, they're very intimidating-looking. I find it really interesting that it took this long for the Empire to go in that direction, to go with fully droid uh, army kind of thing. When, you know They've already, they've already con- come in contact with droid armies during the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. so that technology is there, and it works very effectively. Um, they've done the clone thing, and they know that there are pros and cons to that yes um, their technology is obviously top-notch um, during the might of the Empire so why wouldn't they have gone to that before instead of using stormtroopers that could be turned it's just it's interesting to me that it took that long for that kind of R&;D to go through
2: yeah um, I, I also really like their design let's talk about their design real quick because it
1: is very cool
2: I like that you know it's sleek black with shiny you know metal and these piercing red eyes yeah they are uh, obviously it's very like if and they're i think at least seven feet tall like they're they're not you know
1: they look like a bunch of fully robotic darth vaders in my mind that's how Uh, it came out very much that intimidating look
2: and the helmet definitely
0: was there yeah Yeah.
1: exactly yeah with the helmet yeah and the the red and the
2: cleaning black yeah if you're you know just a, a farmer and you see like you know a garrison of these you know roaming around you know you better hope that's not the last thing you ever see. <laughs> exactly, because it could very well be. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. they just
1: snatch up the baby, and there isn't a damn thing that Mando or Boba or finna can do about it.
2: No, yeah. Uh, uh, they go and um, they fly. Boba flies up. And he's even surprised to see the Empire. Because he doesn't since he's been in hiding he doesn't know that the empire is really back mm-hmm. and Phoenix, like well that can't be because the new republic patrols these territories they're you know clearly not clearly not
1: yeah well and you have to really you have to understand that the reach of the new republic can't really be that big yet they are still very new and so to, just to build the you know the fleets that they need and, the, and mm-hmm. the numbers that they need to be able to actually adequately patrol everything I I can't imagine they have that capacity yet.
2: Yeah, that's very I fair.
0: Think... And I, I think there is a little slushiness that they're they're using for story arc purposes because you know at the end of Return of the Jedi um, before everything spun off further we thought well that's it and and we're conditioned here in, in, in the real world that, okay, unconditional surrender, that's it. You know, we have peace in our time. We move on to mm-hmm. uh, uh, making radios and televisions and washing machines and, and everything that has transpired here. But, but what they're saying there is, well, the empire, um, you know, sure, they may have gone ahead and lost and there's no central head or control, but, but the, the, Essence of the empire, they did not universally surrender. Like they're out there doing their own thing, are they reforming or being not not pirates, but kind of independent uh evil armies uh, doing their own thing? And so, so you have folks out there who I think would be genuinely surprised that the empire's back. And then other people are like, no, no, they've never left. They're just reforming. And apparently, all these mm-hmm. secrets, which aren't that secret because everybody knows. Oh, there's a secret base on this one, and there's a yeah. secret- <laughs> um well, i
1: think that really parallels reality in a way too i mean how many of us thought that nazis and fascism wasn't a thing anymore for the western world where it absolutely has been they just retreated they went you know they went to south america they went to the they went to the u.s they went to the uk and they've just been in hiding and their numbers have always been there but now they feel they have a platform and you know an opportunity and they're coming out of the woodwork i think it's and exactly i think that that's thing. a good
0: point i mean as well um and, but I, I also wonder, I, I don't know if it's been addressed, uh, because I have to admit, I have, cannot follow all the books. There was like a unconditional surrender by the remaining parts of the original empire. Um, and I would say the answer to that is no, because eventually we had the massive battle at uh, Jakku. And, and, you know, there are all these other elements out there, especially because the emperor has his survival plan. So, so it makes sense to me that you would have these um, independent operators, we'll call them with their various remnants trying to to get back together um and so i think boba fett's reaction and and also fennec and so forth i think that's genuine for the world they've been especially if boba fett has been kind of wandering on tatooine for the mm-hmm. last 20 years trying to you know just make his way to figure out what he's going to do no armor no ship that type of thing yep. although it's nice to see and hear and i do mean here slave one again uh, that was great
3: Yeah,
1: was. you know
0: in all its glory um that was uh i think one of the one of the defining elements of of the entire series is how much of a love song it is to the fandom with the audio cues and the visuals yeah um oh for sure one was fantastic
1: with his boots you know last season and stuff they're they're definitely they're putting those easter eggs in
0: Oh, it's yeah. fan service, but it's it's, it's good, it's like
2: good fan service, not like overly oh, fan services.
1: It's done right.
0: Right. It serves the purpose of the story rather than just parking it there in the background and never talking about it again. But no, it, it would make sense that Bola has the ship and he's using it.
2: Oh yeah. yeah. Um and so speaking of ships,
0: yeah. <laughs> Poor yes. pour
2: one out for the razor crest because yeah. as soon as you know, actually this happens before. The dark troopers, I think. Uh, yeah,
1: no, that was the first thing they did. I completely forgot about that. Yeah,
2: they they, they, they blew it to smithereens. They did. As soon as he gets it all repaired, like yeah. all nice and shiny looking, it is turned to nothing but ash and dust. Th- yeah, th- there's no coming back from this one. No. <laughs>
0: no, no
1: repair job on any planet. No.
0: Nope. But how touching was it? The one piece he kept. Yeah. Was the little control knob that was Grogu's go-to toy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if if one sheds a tear for a blown up uh, transport ship, but but oh, absolutely that's a pretty deep moment.
2: Yeah, um, and again, we get to see. Speaking of blowing up ships, we get to see Boba Fett take out a trans- two, two transport ships. Actually, yeah. Uh, yeah, we get to see him actually use his rocket and everything. And that was really cool. Which yeah,
1: so it was nice uh, seeing him use all of his weaponry. <laughs> I
2: don't know where we where he keeps on getting these rockets from, but okay. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna just suspend my belief on that one.
2: Yeah. Um, and also, we gotta talk about his fighting of the Stormtroopers really quick, the hand-to-hand combat.
1: We did talk about that.
2: But we gotta talk about it more in depth, because it was beautiful.
1: Oh, yeah. No, it was, absolutely. Um, Especially considering the, uh, the various amounts of hate that I have seen towards how he now looks. Which... And how different it is.
2: By the way, in the next few episodes, we see that that was, like I said just the bandage that he was wearing it was a lot of, you know, cloaks and stuff, so to everyone who said, you know, he's Boba fat now, and I'm like, fuck yeah, all of you. No,
1: he is a massive guy, and I would love to see you say that to tomorrow Morrison's face, because that yeah. would be incredible to watch.
0: Please do. Please. I mean, he was uh, in Aquaman, and that was only a few years ago, and he was pretty ripped up for uh, not a young man, so. He's yeah. a
1: big dude. He's just a big guy.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm not sure where the hater rate is, but, you know, Star Wars fans uh, yeah. be part of the code now.
1: People are just the worst.
2: Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, I really love seeing him take out all the Stormtroopers with just one gaffy stick. Uh, you actually see the Stormtrooper armor shatter in a lot of them. Mm. Like, How cool you, was that? that Again, minor...
1: reinforcing that it does nothing.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> a... It doesn't do a damn thing. Uh, it's
1: literally made out of whatever we make Stormtrooper out of.
2: It's
1: just the same thing. It's just
2: it's just plastic. Uh him fighting was really cool. I like seeing him use both ends of the gaffy stick, the pointy end and the other Mm. really sharp spear end, I guess. Um he clubs them, he breaks a bunch of helmets. It's one of those where you 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 definitely see his discipline and his training from Tamara Morrison with his tribe. Mm -hmm. But you also get to see Boba Fett do hand-to-hand combat, which you don't yeah. get to see a whole lot. You see him a lot of the time do, you know, blasters and everything like that. Shoot him
3: up, yeah.
2: Django did hand-to-hand combat with Obi-Wan for a tiny bit. So that was kind of cool. I yes. never see him, you know, fully do this like we've seen in this episode.
1: And I do have to wonder if this ties back to some of the much older expanded universe lore um, with my favorite game of all time, the Masters of the because you can play as as a Tuscan Raider, and they oh, are right. badass, and they had very similar moves, and then with the gaffy stick and whatnot, and they, mm-hmm. I mean, they were really hard to beat, and they were a little bit OP, and I remember always getting pissed off when people would pick <laughs> to play, <laughs> but it was really fun to play as them too, but it makes you wonder, you know, in, in his time, wondering in Tatooine, was he taken in by some of the Tuscan Raiders? Did they gift this to him did he you know not take it by force was he trained with them while he was recovering maybe they because, found him and he recovered with them you know well because
2: he also has absolutely you know, not only a gaffy stick but he has you know the uh tusken raider uh cycler rifle too so yeah
1: well he's basically dressed as a tusken raider so it, it makes me yeah. wonder if he's been palling around with them for the last 20 years or whatever
2: it'll be kind of like cool years.
1: five years
0: five, i think that yes, like ties into to that to that very first episode where he was watching, you know, Mando help Timothy Oliphant's character help the Tuscans. Mm-hmm. Um, so he probably recognized that Mando, uh, maybe not an ally, but maybe not a threat because, yeah. you know, maybe he's helping his adopted tribe, which of course helps tie into Tamerson, Tamar Morrison's background. The other place I'd like to suggest it, to consider is there was a reason why... Um, the um, clones were based off of Django, So it could just be that he is that badass True. of a soldier. And the clones really were probably better soldiers than stormtroopers because of their you know, uh, superb training and enhancements and so forth. And some of the, uh, how should I put it without spoiling it, some of the dialogue in the final episode where there's a lot of reference to that which happened in the past
3: yes, and,
0: and Mandalore and all that. Um, I, I just think Django must have been on a different level. Um, and so seeing Boba Fett, who was the, the pure clone, the one who was aged naturally and mm-hmm. learned from his father, I guess, 13 years or thereabouts, um, and then you combine that with the, the Tuscan and then, of course, what was happening in the other shows, um, you know, all that training then that yields the ultimate. I mean, that's why he's Boba Fett and so ruthless and so well known throughout the galaxy because probably others have challenged him, and then they're like, "I am not taking on that guy. Like he he is beyond what the other bounty hunters are." Yeah, agree. I think it ties in well. I I very much agree with that statement because it's it it
2: shows you know that Boba Fett is not to be trifled with. You know, plain and simple. At the very end of the day. And uh, I really enjoy, like I said, having my faith restored in this character. Like it made me like this character again, that I wasn't just like, oh my Mm. God, another Boba Fett, whatever, blah, 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 blah. If you would have told me when I was watching season one that Boba Fett would have been coming into season two, I could have cared less. Fully, honestly, could have cared less.
0: It would have seemed gratuitous.
2: Yeah. I'm like, really? Okay. But now I'm very happy he he is here. So he
1: fits in so well. It really yes.
2: Does. Um, and finally, uh, so the so Gregor gets captured. He uh gets taken up to the uh frigate, the cruiser, and Gideon has baby shackles. <laughs> oh God, I know. Which is the funniest thing and he puts them in shackles and then he uh, neutralizes them. He tranks them basically. Uh, I think that... That was
0: hurtful to watch. I, I'm sorry. That was like yeah, no, emotionally was devastating.
2: Like you, you just stunned a baby.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I don't think those were meant to be baby shackles. I mean, we live in a... They live in a galaxy with, you know, canonically a vast range of species in vast... Sizes, so I'm sure they just had a, a huge range of.
2: Oh no, they're space Nazis. Those are baby on. cuffs.
1: <laughs> they're space Nazis. Those okay, are sure.
2: baby cuffs. All right, that's <laughs> it. Um, so they leave and but this Mando's... was
1: after we got to see Grogu, slamming stormtroopers like yes. they were absolutely nothing yes. with the force, just crunching them against walls. You know. Which I think is a good indicator, it's a good throwback to why it's so important that the Jedi take these Force-sensitive children so young, because that kind of power is terrifying in a toddler.
2: Yeah. And, mm. you know, especially when that's untrained and undisciplined.
1: Yeah. So it makes sense that the Jedi, or an entity like the Jedi, needs to come into play and take these children before they end up you know, destroying things, hurting the people that take care of them, hurting the people they love, or hurting themselves. Yeah. So I think that was a great reminder of
2: that. We don't advocate child kidnapping, but at the same time,
1: <laughs> no, I, of of willingly taking your child to these right. people, right. knowing surrender that them there. to the local so, so,
0: Jedi yeah. indu- uh, intake uh, center for further training.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
2: for 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 further development and training. No. Uh, the local
1: Jedi Montessori just
2: bring him on I think it
0: was it was good to see Groku especially after after Ahsoka says well he's kind of tamping down on his powers so he's got him you know but and and the trauma that he's experienced has definitely led him to where he is where he just doesn't want to go in and, and uncork it but he's got it in him if he needs to he knows got, that he guys
2: he doesn't use it because of his he has Jedi PTSD.
1: Yeah, well, we've yep. seen some you. shit. Yeah. We don't know how he escaped Order 66 and Anakin storming the temple, but he did. We haven't gotten that story yet, but it's, it happened.
2: Um, so finally, Mando's like, he talks to Boba. Um, Boba shows him that this was the armor of my father. This is my armor. But Mando's like, oh, okay, that's your armor. Cool. So, but he realizes that he will need help Tracking down Gideon, and the only person who can do that is Bill character. Mm-hmm. So he goes back uh, to Kara Dune and he's like, Hey, you're a Marshal now. Can you help me spring him? And she's like, Okay. And yeah. that's how the episode ends.
1: Yeah. So we're going on a, we've got Finnick, we've got Bobo, we've got Kara, we've got Mando. So we, you know, we're, we're going on an Ocean's Eleven team kind of yep. thing.
2: So, how would you guys rate this episode?
1: Uh, like a seven and a half, eight, maybe. It
2: is the shortest episode we've gotten
1: on yeah. this season. That's why it's just, it's really short, which I guess yeah. makes sense because it's action packed and it just kind of doesn't stop.
0: I'm going to give it uh, about a nine because I really did enjoy it. And um, it was nice to see Tamar Morrison give, fill in that tapestry for Boba Fett. Um, but I will say it—it it, it did feel noticeably briefer than the other episodes.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and I—I I get that it was very tightly done, like the very first Star Wars movie from 1977. And sometimes there is some some benefit to brevity. But this almost felt like we could have done a little bit more, even if it was just more dialogue with the characters. That being said, I really enjoyed it. That Boba Fett just laid it out. Uh, you don't have the kid, we're we're with you until he does. Yeah. Yeah. Or rather, until you do have the kid. Yeah, I, and will... I think again
1: that comes into Boba's having this sort of like gray sense of morality. He does he does what feels right in the moment.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's that it's that unforgiven um redemption arc, I think.
2: Yeah. I will give it about the same rating you did, Chris. Uh seven and a half. It was a it was a, a decent episode, especially an episode coming off of the one that just introduced ahsoka that's a hard episode to follow but this episode did do that so i was very happy with that so that's that episode we're going to take a short little break and then when we come back uh we're going to be discussing episode what 15 right yes 15 and why chris and i don't like bill burr so stay tuned guys And we are back uh so let's talk about this next episode um that i have mixed emotions with
1: oh so many mixed emotions
0: yeah so, and I, I i yeah i'll concede uh, i'm i'm not gonna be given this one i'm gonna be giving this one rather a split review how about that
1: mm-hmm.
2: that's very fair yeah
1: um, um i don't hate the story line the plot of this episode. I think it's actually really good. And I think the message that they're trying to send is very good. But execution in some key areas has me
2: miffed. Mm. That's fair. Yeah. So let's should we talk about what we don't like about this episode first or should we dissect it? How do you want to start this out, Chris?
1: Uh yeah, we can talk about what we don't like, sure.
2: Okay. Um you go first, because I'll probably piggyback on you. So
1: um so as much as i really enjoy uh, most of what has gone down with the mandalorian as a whole i do have a lot of issues with casting um and you know not that i think they're bad actors or any of that i it's i don't think that they're casting good people and i do have issue with paying and giving voice to people who i don't think are good people um and in this particular episode that would be gina carano and bill burr uh, so I know Bill Burr is a you know buddy buddy with John Favreau, and John Favreau loves to put his buddy buddies in all of his movies, um, which sure I get that. Okay, and it's not that I think that Bill Burr is a bad actor. Um, in fact, you know, aside from clearly being from Space Boston, <laughs> it, absolutely, it, it was a, it's a fine character. It's an interesting character. It's a it's a multifaceted character. Um, it's just to put it, frankly, Bill Burr, he's an asshole. He's an asshole and I'm gonna, here, here's what I said to, in just what I said to Ian um, after this, this episode aired. Now, Bill Burr is an asshole. He's in, you know, in the guise of a comedian and he's a comedian for contrarian white men who think they're making some smart commentary on the world when really they're just bigoted pieces of shit. And the, you know, the, the things that he said in his monologue on SNL if, <laughs> against the LGBT community, I just, I took, I take issue with a privileged white cisgender male thinking that he has a space to comment on these sort of things. In addition, what makes it just egregious that he's part of the Star Wars um, community is that he gleefully, happily admits to the fact that he bullies Star Wars fans. That he thinks people who are big fans of the movies and the shows are basically dumbasses and will happily bully them for this and yet he was given a role in this universe and that really pisses me off
2: it's a very fair emotion to have yeah yeah and again that's my
1: issue
2: i piggyback on you and the fact that i the character of mayfeld is is cool i like the character i like what he's gone through i like his story i like that but yeah the whole bill burr thing because i didn't realize this until you told me about it and i went back and i was like ooh, yikes
1: Mm-hmm. He's yikes. very problematic. Very problematic.
2: So maybe he won't be in it anymore because after this episode, he kind of goes off on his own thing. I don't know. But
0: so know. let me give you my nightmare thought. Um, it's clear they're setting up Gina, who I, I also have issues with her more recent. Yes. Political positions, just to be gentle about that. Um, and I also am no fan of Bill's. And I am bracing myself uh, psychologically that he too will make his way. I think it's going to be he, Gina, Timmy Oliphant, and I would hope Michael Bean, but I know that's not going to happen in this new Marshall show. The way that those characters have been developed uh, makes it all seem to be that they're a good slinger type. And those characters actually, uh, I'm parking Timothy Oliphant because um, I'm not aware of anything that would be problematic. And I I know people are going to say it's judgmental for Star Wars fans to say, well, if you don't agree with politics, these people can't do it. I'm getting all that. I'm just saying that these people are going down a path that is really just not healthy for anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did find um, uh, that Space Boston reference you made to be perfect. And I'm like, because I was watching, I was like, couldn't we get like Ben Affleck or Matt Damon to deliver the (laughs) gravitas? in this character here yeah. without this actor because don't get me wrong the arc in this episode was fantastic and he did actually do a genuine draw genuinely good job he it's did. just I don't want him to be the one to do it when he's saying like oh and by you people I mean you Mandalorians there were there was some dialogue choices in there that I'm like uh, is Favreau trying to redeem Bill here or are we piggybacking like what on. there were some definite dialogue drops um, in the discussion about Operation Cinder, where, uh, or leading up to it, where I'm like, yeah. uh, we're we're getting kind of blended lines here. So mm-hmm. fantastic acting, uh, no question that the writing was good, but why does it have to be that actor?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I know we're probably going to get a bunch of hate for our opinions on this, but there are opinions, and yeah. if you don't like it, then sorry. He's
1: got a very and I'm not big questioning big his acting. No, I think it's great. And I and I'm not saying that all of his comedic work isn't funny either. I just think that there is a line between being a genuine asshole and trying to be an asshole in the guise of comedy, you know, and you can you can skew different ways. And no, him being married to a black woman does not give him free reign to say whatever the hell he wants.
2: No, not at all. Uh so now that we have that out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about the episode.
1: Uh, so this was very much, you know, as I said earlier, like an Ocean's Eleven setup, kind of uh, heist. It was an information heist. Mm. Um, I-, I like I like the way they split the party, um, you know, the, the idea that half of the people that he wanted to go in to do to go into this um, facility that they were in could not go in because they're all yeah. wanted by the Empire <laughs> and it just won't work. Um
0: and I loved uh, uh, Tomorrow's line, uh, my face might be a problem.
3: Yes. <laughs> because,
0: you know, he is the original trooper. And and I think I read someplace canonically, there are a few stormtroopers left who are yes. advanced clones. So they're not mm-hmm. all volunteers or conscripts. So his face would be a problem.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
2: Yes. Um, I also, let's talk about real quick, the opening scene where they're on the, the junk planet, the mining or the prison planet. Did you know that those walkers in the back, those were stop motion?
1: No, that's so cool.
2: Yeah. Very cool. Um, our sister show, Kaiju Curry House, tweeted out to us that, yeah, that was stop motion. That was not animated at all. Or that was not oh, CGI. That's
1: awesome. I love seeing practical effects in work.
2: Well, and it's such like, it's a, you know, in the background so far away that you automatically think, oh, CGI sure yeah. know, walker. I mean,
1: I definitely no. noticed that they were cool.
2: Yeah. But no, it's all, it was uh, stop motion, which is fantastic. I love that. Very cool. Yeah, that was just my little thing. Sorry.
1: Yeah. Well, what, why don't you tell us about that? Why don't you tell us about that intro?
2: So they go to, I can't remember if they said the junk planet or not, but they go to spring Bilbo's character. It's like,
1: a, it's like a prison planet.
2: Yeah. Um and so they're work he's working on like scrap fields, so you see a bunch of like down TIE fighters, you see a bunch of downed uh ships, so he's like it's, it's a salvage mining mm. planet, I assume. Uh the droid enforcer was very funny because he keeps on saying his prison number and he's like, go leave now, go, go. It was very funny to me. Yeah. Um, so it's Cara Dune and she's like, All right, come on, I got a job for you. He's very uh you know confused as to why he's being sprung and he sees a slave one Finnick steps out and then we see a newly freshly painted Boba Fett.
0: A very nice touch. Very spiffy.
2: Mm-hmm. Um I've seen some people online saying it looks too matte. It looks too dark. Oh jeez. I mean
1: it's not it gonna look does... exactly like it did in the original movies. It's a new no, paint job.
2: <laughs> it is a darker green I will say that. His other green was a little lighter, uh, but it's not distracting.
1: Well, and maybe it was a little lighter because it, you know, it had been in use for a while. This is a brand new paint job.
0: Yeah. Exactly. He- I, I just I I I, I want to just repeat a joke that my friends and I, I think Chris has heard me say this before. You know, everybody's like holds these things, chronically, but un- understand what was happening in 1978 and 1979. There was very limited budget. like how are we going to paint this because you know the original armor was like white yeah uh one of the tests uh for george and and we don't actually know how it came to be but but the joke is at least with my friends who are are professional prop makers you know it's like well we got half a can of green and we got half a can of red let's see what we can do and that's how it ended up being you know that Craziness. And then so over time, people are like, oh no, it has to be this and get the Pantone cards out and, and the Greeley has to be one micron over. And like, no, no, it really doesn't have to be because they weren't thinking like that in 1970, 1979. So now uh, that they have better budget and can scope it out. If it's going to be matte and a dark green, then it's going to be matte and a dark green.
2: Yeah. And also, I think it gives, you know, a little variation on Boba Fett cosplayers too, because there are clearly now multiple versions of this character you can cosplay as now absolutely so i get it gives you know a little more variety i guess would be the word for it um but yeah so they leave um the planet and he sees mando he's like oh fucking shit (laughs) he's like hello hi (laughs) hello sir so nice
0: touch with the with the air horn, uh, the the air instrument, because he's like, oh, it's okay if it's you. Where I was looking for somebody else, and then as soon as Mando comes up, his theme horn plays yep. in the background.
2: Yep, <laughs> that was great. Ah, like, oh, crap. So they get into the slave one, and they're off, you know, on the adventure. Which, by the way, I love seeing the inside of the slave one and how it works. It's like on a gyroscope, mm. basically. Yes. And we only get to see the Inside the Slave one, you know, the cockpit-wise in episode two, cockpit-wise briefly in episode five. And that's basically it. Um, And, you know, you have the incredible cross-sections books from way back when. Yes. And they have the episode, it was in the episode of, of four, or excuse me, five one, where... You see, you know, an artist's interpretation of what the inside mm-hmm. of the ship looks like, which they kind of took reference from that and put it into the show. Yeah. And the fact that you know it tilts upright and it's on a gyroscope, so seeing everything kind of move the way it does was very cool to me. It's such a cool ship. Yeah, it, and, and, it's a very and that, that's design. the
0: love letter to the fans because that they remembered that's how the ship would operate whenever that artist created that years ago.
2: Yes, because uh, we all kind of wonder like how the hell does this work? Like, I don't get it, but it, it works on a gyroscope, basically. The end. Yeah. Um. So they're like, well, we need to get some information out. And so they land on this planet. Um, and like Chris said, no one can really go in because they're all wanted by the Empire.
1: Yeah. So what are, what are they doing on this planet?
2: They are trying to retrieve information as to where Moff Gideon is.
1: Yeah, and what, what sorry? What's the uh? What's the Empire doing on this planet?
2: I don't remember.
1: Okay, so they oh, are mining, mining incredibly explosive, um,
2: fuel, right?
1: Uh, fuel? Yeah, I, something like some that. Some kind of ore, or something some kind like of that. ore. Yeah, that is that yeah. is massively right. explosive and dangerous, um, and the planet it appears to be uh habitated by or habitated that's not a word (laughs) inhabited inhabited um by by you know compared to the rest of the empire and the republic rather primitive um tribal people sort of whatnot um who do not seem very enthusiastic about the empire's presence there
2: no they're not happy people yeah which it's very much kind of like an allegory of what we have seen in years past in like the rainforests of South America.
1: Yes. It very much made me think of that
2: because the whole planet is covered with these vast, beautiful forests and they have these tanks and these, you know, machines cutting things down and mining the natural resources of these people for profit. I'm like, that doesn't scream real life at all.
1: Yeah. <laughs> there's, huh. a, there's always a real life allegory to be found.
2: And so that kind of made me go like, oh, I, I see what they're going to... Is this Ferngully? What's happening?
1: Oh, God. That movie does not hold up. Let me just say, my childhood no, was ruined. It was very much ruined. <laughs> it's a terrible movie.
2: <laughs> yeah. it's Is this Ferngully part two? What's what's going on? Is Ferngully yeah. in space? Yes.
1: Uh, so basically, they've got to hijack one of these sort of like armored transports that it's are carrying... Duggernaut. It is a juggernaut, yes. If they've got to hij- hijack one of these that are filled with this explosive ore, this very volatile ore, um, that has a tendency to just blow up.
2: If you go if, it, it, if they go, like, too fast or something, or if it's if too... It, if it
1: gets too hot, so I'm assuming that if it's jostled too much, yeah, it starts to build heat, just because of whatever energy is being stored. Um, so they can't go very fast, they can't, you know, they can't be really knocked around, um, so they've got to get from the mining point to this base, I guess, like the refinery or whatever. Yeah. Which kind of makes me think, like, why wouldn't they just build bases wherever they're mining the ore from? Why like, why even have a drive? But
2: I assume because... Whatever. <laughs> it's, they don't want a huge explosion of things. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but so these species that we see, they look a lot, at least to me, they look like a lot of... Um, from episode 1, 2, and 3, um, Sacy 10, who is the Jedi who goes and confronts uh, Palpatine. He's, like, the one that has, like, the horns that come out. He's on the council. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Uh,
1: it, uh, he also, I thought they looked like space pirates that we've seen before. When we he, well, he looked.
2: Encounter. they look more like his species because they had, like, these horns that are coming out from the side and they kind of come down. I huh. don't know if it's the same species or not, but they just yeah. look like them, but that's just my observation on them.
1: Yeah. Well, so they're they they you know they're rumbling around in this in this transport that they've this juggernaut transport that they've managed to um, seize, and it's just it's Mando and it's um, uh, Mayfield. Mayfield,
0: yeah, um, and... and and that g- gave us grounds to have a little exploration of the whole helmet on or helmet off mm-hmm. uh, yeah. armor. Uh, that was I thought a really nice um, in universe. Um, Plot—it's uh, not even a plot point, but plot development about well, how are you going to do it? So then he puts on the stormtrooper driver armor, yeah. Um, and the and again, so we go back to Bill Barr doing. Uh, uh, sorry, Bill Burr doing. Um, there's a Freudian slip. Um, Uh, some really good acting and delivering lines just you know it's unfortunate that it's coming from somebody who's got this problematic background but the whole thing about Empire versus the New Republic it's all the same to these people because it's essentially an occupying force exactly Uh, there was um, I think some good tie-in to the character in uh, episode eight you know the whole thing of uh, it doesn't matter what side you're on there's always arms dealers it's all the same so I think there are some some important thematic points um, that uh, Bill Burr's character was was bringing up. And then the whole thing about, are you taking the helmet off or you just don't choose to like what, what what's going on here? Yeah.
1: What do you stand for? Where's your line?
0: Yeah. Right. And he said, you know, that everybody reaches a point where the rules are going to come off. And that was fantastic, you know, hidden pen foreshadowing for the balance of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the whole thing with the pirates and the and the juggernaut, I have to say, um, I don't remember who wrote this episode, if it was Fabro or not, but this is definitely a video game level uh, episode, because the whole thing is you got to keep the temperature cool, you got to fight off the pirates, you got to make it across the bridge, yeah. um, and it, one level of pirates after another level of pirates, and then your gun doesn't work, and I was like, mm-hmm. this is totally game level episode
1: yeah that's it that's funny that's because i i said the same thing during the episode i was like oh we've got another wave incoming. yeah
2: no i think it was uh written by the director who did it which was rick um uh mm-hmm. i can't say his last oh, name oh uh, F- fukuyama yeah uh yeah. yeah he did this
0: episode he wrote and directed it, i believe it's fantastically done, but it, it definitely gave me that vibe of um, a video game where um, you've got the countdown timer, you've got the, the red line on the heat, yep. you got to make you it across the bridge. You can only go bridge. a certain way. Yeah, exactly. You can only go a certain way uh, and then wave after wave after wave. Uh, it was fantastic.
1: Yeah. And so they get pretty close. To the refinery, whatever it is, um, mm-hmm. you know they're seeing they're seeing other juggernauts that are you know ahead of them are just being
2: blown out. Well, of yeah, the- they're being blown to bits because yeah. you know it's
1: by the pirates or, or having to go yeah. too fast to try to escape the pirates and they are they're closing in and. Yes. TIE fighters just sort of like, appear from this refinery Which, that's the base. first time I
2: was very happy to see a TIE
1: fighter. Right? I, I all thought of, like, we are all cheering for the appearance of these TIE fighters.
0: It's great yeah. inversion to make the bad guys the heroes. And then you see all the other stormtroopers cheering yeah. like anybody else would. Well, like, that's it is. So, That's exactly
1: what this whole bit was. It completely human yeah. humanized the Empire. Like, this is just a bunch of people. Mm-hmm who have you know whatever their own moral standards you know or god knows what propaganda they've grown up with with the empire you know they may think hey they're you know maybe they're getting paid really well and they're sending money back to wherever they're from you know there's all these reasons why these people who are obviously just people might be there and it ties back into that whole monologue that bill burr had earlier and
0: absolutely but then then we do get the payoff as to why they're the bad guys which just uh I'll turn it back over to, to to your episode synopsis, but in when we meet the good old boy officer, then yeah. then we're all reminded, oh, that is why they are the bad guys. Yeah. These people are douchebags. <laughs> yeah. They're,
1: they're. <laughs> well, and again, yeah. you know, are the are the lower ranks totally douchebags? Or, you know, as it is with a lot of big business and stuff, is it just the higher ups?
0: Oh. Well, to, to the it's a fair point legendary question from 1945 i was just following orders
1: yeah exactly yeah uh, propaganda is a powerful tool you very so anyway yeah so they so they get in they're welcomed you know as returning heroes because they've survived one no other transport has today um so it's a big deal they're you know pats on the back and stuff and they're trying to <laughs> avoid all of this attention this is like the complete opposite you would ever want for this kind of mission you're trying to be as low-key as possible and literally everybody is coming to talk to you yeah um and welcome you with open arms so they're you know they're not taking their helmets off they're just like you know thumbs up and hey yeah cool saluting
2: and everything yeah
1: (laughs) we're yeah we're good this is great we're just gonna go get a drink (laughs) uh so then they mosey over
2: Mm -hmm.
1: to
3: the officer
1: officer, said there is data um, which is what they what was it why couldn't bilber do it what happened
0: uh the senior officer was one that he had worked with before and he was concerned that that's right may be recognized
1: yes so he saw him there was an eye contact moment and he was like shit i need to keep a low i need to keep a low profile uh, and so there's some back and forth. And eventually it, it, Ma- Mando walks over and we're all kind of like staring at him like, well, what are you going to do? You're wearing a helmet. And this is a facial recognition yep. data port. And so because you know, he wears the line, there's the line. He's not going to get the information he needs to save his son Well if and he doesn't, again he remove his helmet.
2: A dummy award goes to him when he first tries to do it with the helmet on, and he's been told no. Oh, I know. I was like,
1: really? Are we doing this? (laughs) He's not the smartest man.
2: He gets two dummy (laughs) awards for the season. I'm gonna
1: chalk it up to maybe you just make dumb decisions when you're under pressure. I don't know. We all all do that. We all do that.
2: I'm like, really, sir? Yeah, so So then we can see him take his helmet off. Helmet
1: comes off. We've got pasty pedro pascal with a mustache
2: not Which as prominent as last time me
1: no like he doesn't so he doesn't show his face he rarely removes the mask but he has time for facial hair upkeep
2: well listen
1: all right it's choices choices
2: choices yeah yeah right. so, so it's, yeah so he's you he, know
1: scans in gets the it. information he needs yes
2: but then you have the commanding douche yeah uh is like you know trying to talk to him and i like i did really like the line. bill burr's like you gotta talk louder for him sir because his ear comes around you know he's got
1: he's got some tbi going he's got traumatic brain injury you gotta be nice to this guy
2: and then they you know mention they go okay we gotta go fill out these reports now and then the officer's like no you're gonna stay and they're like oh
1: yeah well so so he he's heard about what happened he congratulates them on being the only juggernaut yes. to make it you know this is a big achievement come and have a drink with me
2: which i love you see like the tenseness in pedro's face he's like everyone can see me
3: yeah he just <laughs> like <laughs>
2: <clears throat> it's very yeah. funny but yeah, yeah so the commanding officer was like what do we cheers to and uh bill burr goes what about operation cinder which it, for those who play Battlefront 2, that is a huge name drop. Huge, 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 huge. Yeah. And, you know, the author's like, oh, well, you know your history. He goes, no, I was there. I lived it. Yeah. Because, you know, the Empire burnt their own cities to make it look like the Alliance did it. So... And
0: part of the Emperor's plan to punish his own uh, for yeah. him down, for lack of a better yeah. phrase, which goes back to why... No, these really are the bad guys. And anybody who signs up uh, really needs to, you know, gut check themselves. Um, and that, but that Imperial officer, he had no problem with the savagery firing on his own people. Not at all. Um, I, I actually think it was one of the best written, best delivered exchanges this season. It was you
1: really tense. And
0: again, I will absolutely say Burr nailed it. He
1: did, because you. Uh, could see the the just internal Mm -hmm. anger levels rising absolutely every word that came out of this officer's mouth and it was very very
3: intriguing to watch
0: it was fantastic and and i will go ahead and say and chris has been with me you know i I don't know what it is about the star wars fandom community whatever or the star wars family but i have been um mando on on both sides with that head of oh my god please don't do what you're doing i one who gets the head knot and one who has given the head knot. Yeah. <laughs> Superbly done because it just turned the screws that much more because you knew this was going to go full 1880s shootout in the bar. Um, but the dialogue leading up to it was fantastic. And it just was, I, I can't speak enough to the writing and the direction here and the acting.
2: It was very well done, uh, and then because you're all, you're looking at Bill Burr's character, and you're like, "Don't do it!
0: Don't, Don't
1: do it. it! Don't do it! Wait, how are you planning to get out of this? Don't, Don't you do
2: fucking it! Fucking pull that pistol! Don't you dare!" Yeah, and, and, and yet at the
0: same time, you're like, "Blow that bastard away!" I yeah, mean, it's, it's a you're on the line. Bag.
2: Yeah, and he you know smiles, and then he literally puts a hole in this guy's head.
1: Yeah. Oh, that was <laughs> that was great.
2: It was fantastic, and so and then. <laughs> When he does that, one of the troopers was like the little lunch tray is just like, what? Yeah. What? What happened? What now?
0: Uh, I, I think even so even shootouts. Burr's character like didn't really believe he had done it. Certainly Mando. Oh
2: yeah, Dim's looking at him like froze. the fuck, dude.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: It's very funny. So yeah, so they have to shoot their way out of the mess hall, I guess. Yeah. Uh, they're shooting all kinds of troopers. Which, by the way, I don't know if we discussed it or not, but. We get to see um, the shore troopers again from Rogue One.
3: Oh, right, yes. yeah.
2: So that was really cool to see those troopers again because that's a really unique and interesting design. But uh, so yeah, they have to shoot their way out. Um, both Kara and uh, Fennec are the sharpshooters on top of the ridge. And so they see them trying to escape out the balcony. For some reason, there's a stormtrooper who, like opens the bottom of the shutters and tries to like, grab them and like sh- it's... yeah a dummy award again
1: stormtroopers are dumb
2: (laughs) so yeah i like how bill kind of like looks under and like just shoots them from underneath the the shades uh (laughs) and so finnick and kara are providing cover fire they're shooting a bunch of troopers um they call in boba's like hey we like to be picked up now please come get us your uber has arrived yes Mm. um finnick takes out a bunch of the aa guns and the the uh, fire, the gunners I guess uh, which is a really cool shot because she just takes him out one one hit KO she doesn't miss a single shot absolutely uh, and so Boba comes picks him up and he is pursued by TIE fighters and then we get the best moment of the episode for all of us die hard prequel fans we get the sound of all sounds which oh, is the oh, yes. charge
1: yeah yep. that was great
2: i was waiting for it because i'm like is what's gonna happen and he hits the little icon button i was like oh that's gonna do it and then i literally went silent because i was like i was waiting for the sound and yeah sure absolutely
0: i was watching with a friend and i said the same thing i "I wonder if they're going to use the oh my god
2: well and like you said lawrence you know with with a bunch of the audio cues from you know the original uh three movies and the prequel movies Mm. it's it's great sound cues because whenever you hear those you know you're like oh i i know this i, I get yep. you know butterflies when i hear that sound yep so it was a great use of that and fan servicey yes but again in a good way not in a bad way
0: it, it served it served the story i mean and it would make sense that boba would use the same type of um tech and weapons that his father did mm-hmm. so I, I have no objections um and i think it was very well done
2: agreed uh so they get away and both Carr and mando kind of look at each other and they're out of the ship with uh mayfield and they're like well it's a damn shame oh but we should say that that mayfield uh gets his kind of proper revenge by blowing up the whole refinery because he takes a pot shot at a exposed tanks of the ore and blows up everything yes
0: yeah yeah he trashes the facility and and i and i I do want to acknowledge the writing also that he when the firefight goes down you know he he tells mando uh aka brown eyes as named by the oh yeah that was
3: great
0: um that um you know he acknowledges that he took helmet, but he's like the secret stays with me like because now now he's operating on a different level he's he's there to help him get the kid but also i think to avenge all of his comrades that were lost um you know in operation cinder so mm-hmm. I, I it was a a part of his character's uh redemption arc
1: yeah this was a legitimate redemption arc
0: it was very okay. nice to
2: see uh but yeah so they land uh car and mando kind of look at each other and she's like well it's a damn shame that mayfield didn't make it out of the explosion Mm. and mando's like i know and mayfield's still kind of going like hi i'm right here what what are you talking about
0: (laughs) uh i I would be
1: if i heard somebody say that and i didn't completely trust them i would be afraid that that meant they were going to turn around and shoot me
0: oh yeah excellent point um
2: and so he's like can i go because i'll go like seriously i'll go and is like, looking away saying, because she's like, I cannot technically say you are free to go. Like, I, that's against my, I cannot do that. And Mendo's just like, he nods at me, he's like, get the fuck out of here. Go. Yeah. Leave, sir. So he trots off, um, and they have the information in tow, and then that leads us to the season finale. So, what would you guys rate this episode?
1: I mean, aside from the fact that there's two actors that I'm not okay with, and that did that did take out some of the enjoyment for me, this was a solid plot with solid writing and solid execution, so I would give it a nine.
3: Okay.
0: Lawrence? I, I'm not going to agree with that. I mean, or or a split, which would be you know, an actual ten because I was still riveted by it. And insofar <laughs> as the story, the arc, the... Um, where the characters went, the that whole scene inside the mess, but yes, it is heavily colored by the cast casting choices. Um, so if I give it a couple points off for that, and then I average it, then it comes to a nine. Um, but you know, I, I recognize not everybody's going to agree with that. If I just measure the, the the episode on its own, it really is an incredibly well done episode. It really is tight and it got us where we needed to go
2: mm-hmm.
0: i would say as
2: well like a eight and a half nine for me uh if i'm just measuring the episode itself it was great great action great pacing you learned a lot about characters uh get some great moments sound effects whatever it may be but yeah i'd say eight and a half nine easily yeah yeah, yeah. so that means that we're going to be talking about our season finale next guys The episode of all episodes basically Uh, but before that we're going to take another quick little break and then we'll be back in just a moment all right and we're back guys so we're talking about now the season finale of season two of the Mandalorian what a ride it's been Uh, it it, this is a great season finale Um, it wraps up some stories makes some new stories happen and it's all around a great episode oh yeah As so, we expected. firstly it's directed by peyton reed who has directed both the ant-man films for the mcu so and he also directed i believe it was episode two of this season with the spiders
1: hmm. oh interesting okay
2: i think it was that one i think i'm pretty sure um so, uh, let's let's talk this episode. So, did you guys think that was this was a satisfying conclusion for a season?
1: Oh, um, it's not the conclusion I expected. But I am... I'm satisfied. I don't know if I gonna say I'm satisfied. I've just... It works. It works for me. It works for
3: okay. me. Yeah.
0: Um, let me... Get my inner Joker on—not the one that otherwise would tie into this episode—and just say, "Where do we begin?" (laughs) Um, Because there was a a lot
3: lot. to unpack in this
0: episode. A lot to unpack. Um, I will say up front, I do think that this was originally conceptualized as a series finale. It ends. That's
1: what I said. As a
0: series finale. Yeah. Um, and because it had been in the can for a long time, um, it is possible that they were like, well, we're not sure, you know, where this is going to go. And then because uh, Disney, and particularly under Bob Iger, are doubling down and the first season was so successful and they realize now that they have a um, means to connect with the fans that doesn't require theatrical releases, um, that we will be getting more Mando, but this truly felt like it was originally conceptualized as a series finale, and frankly, if it ended now, it would be okay with it.
1: Yeah, no, 100% agree. 100%.
2: That's fair. Um, So, like you said, there's a lot to dissect for this episode, so let's start off with the, I guess, beginning, which is them uh, meeting back up with uh Bo Katan and um oh no or do they find the scientists first
0: they find the scientist scientists first. and that's right that was um some opportunity to see slave one doing its thing uh and the both is still a like, fantastic pilot you know in air to air not just uh air to ground right uh, and I was um, refreshed, for lack of a better phrase, that the scientist, I guess scientist is not a per se bad guy. He's doing bad things. But you know, he quickly was giving up the information necessary. Uh, right. I think he recognizes that there is a special connection between Mando and the child. Um, so he's not going to go down with the ship, unlike the Imperial officers.
1: The exchange between yeah. the officers was interesting as well. Hmm. Yeah, that was kind of weird. Well, one of them was willing to die for the empire, and the other was like, "Nah, dude."
2: Yeah, it's a job. Yeah, It's, exactly. yeah, it's just a paycheck. I don't want to. No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. But they both end up dying, so who cares?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think it's important. One dies by the hand of the other. That yes. guy, mm-hmm. is the um, uh, what do I want to call it? The true believer, and and he recognizes that you know. Cardoon is is a threat to him, and she delivers on that threat. You know, mm-hmm. she a chance to to surrender. He didn't. The the scientist is a, is a priceless asset, so she has to do what she has to do. And there was a fantastic exchange about the Death Stars and the lives lost. Yeah. Um, Death Stars versus Alderaan, which I think that's perfect commentary about false equivalence, where the bad guys are like well you hurt all of our people and it's like yeah but you're the bad guy yeah. who b- blew away a bunch of innocent people on a peaceful planet so mm-hmm.
1: yeah well he tried to you know, yeah he absolutely false false equivalency that whole that whole exchange was great and he you know he's basically he's poking at a big open wound on Kara and he's doing this on purpose and you know oh. absolutely to, you know hey i served i served on the dead star which she replies you know snidely which one
0: fantastic Mm -hmm. commentary
1: yeah and um you know he goes further into you know there were millions of people i worked with who died on that and she's like are you are you really gonna go there and just he keeps pushing it and pushing it and she blows him away and it you know it was a nice it was a nice moment
2: well at least you know (laughs) he didn't you know ask her who'd you lose (laughs) oh god (laughs) Uh, did you Free lose one? That's st- that line it still just gets me because it's yeah, so so, so stupid and funny. Um. So yeah. So they capture the scientist and he gives up all the information. Uh. They capture the shuttle as well for yes, yes plot points. We
1: need that, which is callbacks. Um,
2: callback. 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 Like ep- yes. Episode six. Yeah. Yep. And they end up landing on uh, some backwater planet, and uh, they meet up with uh Bo and the other mandalorian whose name i'm totally blanking on i know so am i i Um, hate that i actually know where is sasha banks i'm afraid i
0: cannot
2: sasha banks's character (laughs) and he's like hey we found gideon she's like oh okay and he's like hey they have the kid she's like let's go we're gonna fight
3: Mm
0: -hmm. that that
1: but before that, yes. yeah, these four these pe- poor people in this in, the, in this cantina cafe whatever are like, oh shit! There's already two mandos in here, and two more walk
2: ins. Something's
1: right. going down.
2: So they poke at Boba. Speaking of open wound, they kind of poke at Boba. bo-katan says, "You're a bounty hunter. You're not a Mandalorian. You're not you're you're disgraced. The Mandalorians, basically." And uh, he's like, "You know, this is my father's armor." And she goes, "Don't you mean you're donor?" Yeah. yeah, it's oh. fantastic. I screamed oh, I <laughs> because she says, I mean, technically all fathers are donors at some point, but uh, nah.
1: <laughs> this was a little deeper than that. Yeah.
2: Yes. And you know, she's like, I've heard your voice thousands of times. Thousands You're not of special. Times.
1: Yeah. Well, here's the thing. We don't know if she knows who Boba Fett is. We she just may be acting on the cues of the fact that she hears this guy's voice because she doesn't say anything to him until after he speaks and I think then the connection is made like oh this is just another clone do we know right. that she knows who Boba Fett is or is this just
2: another s- clone I think she I've read into it that has, she knows the Boba yeah I think she would know who he is
0: because and he was again, because he's so notorious in the because yeah. she comments saying era. you're not
2: a real Mandalorian you're about your disgrace before yeah so I think she knows who he is. But that could
1: also tie into just thinking that he's a clone. If he's just a clone and he's wearing Mandalorian army then he's not a Mandalorian. Why would she? Could think be, that but he he's... does
0: acknowledge. He said, "I never claimed to be." He said, yeah. his "Father yeah. acknowledged he was," and and he keeps calling her princess with some real venom there. So I, I yeah. think some backstory that you know they may he... go ahead and develop. That'd he definitely
2: knows who she is because, like you said, he yeah, calls her he princess. Yeah, he knows who she
1: is. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, I, it's safe to assume she would know who he is, too. But <laughs> he makes kind of the mistake of taking on Sasha Banks' character, which oh, at a time, it looks like he's gonna win, but she's much younger and much, you know, lighter on her feet. And she does this really cool, like, roundhouse WWE kick. This is where the WWE comes in. Yeah. Like, jetpack kick, knocks him on the ground, just, and then both their flamethrowers are activated at the same time. Okay. And I'm not like sure a, how
1: that works. <laughs> you but get okay. a
2: flame off and it's fantastic. And Bo's like, if you two don't stop it right now. Uh, so she's like, are, so, you know, basically Mando's like, are you going to come help us or like what? So they formulate a plan of diversions of, of espionage kind of uh, to get onto Gideon's ship, so Boba goes into Slave One. There's some going to the shuttle, and they're going to act like they're being pursued, and they need you know immediate assistance, backup, all that stuff. Well, they need so, to get in.
1: They need to get yeah. into the so that they can be.
2: And that's the only way to get in, which which works for yeah. You know, it basically works. Well, but so, Gideon wasn't
1: falling for it initially. I mean, he mm-hmm. didn't. I don't think he trusted it, which is why he sent out. He sent on a Tie Fighter squadron instead of just yeah. letting them board.
0: Well, I, I, think, I mean it's space Trojan horse, but it was plausible. They needed they needed reinforcements, um, and um, it would make sense to launch Tie Fighters if you have you know, saying we're in distress and somebody's blasting on them. But I agree with you that his his facial acting suggested he's not entirely comfortable. Uh, yeah.
1: I think he was incredible assessment
0: of the situation.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that would be making him a a good leader. Just letting them in is questionable. It's a question. Right.
0: That being said, he is expecting a shuttle with the scientists. So, you know, he has to give it the benefit of the doubt, but he's, you know, justified in being skeptical. Um, And I I think it's important to, to acknowledge the... Tension between Bo Katan and Boba Fett because they have to rely on each other to pull this off. So yeah. everybody's teaming up, uh, and I think I think Mandalorian's subtitle is uh, you know uh, team ups through space. <laughs> yeah. uh, I have watched a lot of syndicated shows growing up, so this is like a very much a team. We help the local people and then we move on, and very this, very, yeah. very and much the bear feels or like something like that.
1: Seventies and eighties action, yeah. yeah. Things, yeah. So.
0: So, um, you know, he's like, make the shots look good. He's like, keep your shields up. I'm going to make the shots look good. We're all in this together. Um, and so, very plausible, but but there's a reason why he's the moth, and the moth is skeptical.
2: Exactly. Yes. Um, so, he, you know, they end up forcefully landing inside the hangar, uh, mm. even though they're saying, you know, wait until the hangar's clear, and like, nope, we can't, sorry, we're already on approach. So,
0: uh, And if I may, let me just say, what a, what a great little shout out to some Battlestar Galactica launch tube action, especially because of who our actress is playing Bo-Katano. Um, uh, that was a very nice, uh, inside look, because I don't, I can't recall ever seeing, in the cinematic world anyway, you know launch tubes for uh the empire usually it's like hangar launches so mm-hmm. that was a nice little battle starcraft at the time as far as i was Iger. concerned
2: um so yeah, Boba uh destroys the fighters and Hyperspace is out of there and we don't see him again for that episode until a certain mm. part uh yeah
1: i was so actually kind of surprised that he just no doubt
2: yeah. <laughs> he's like peace bye like, good
1: luck with that guys
2: yeah so he leaves uh, They board the R. Quinton, and you get, I think, one of the coolest, like, female team-ups we've seen in a oh, while. Oh,
1: absolutely.
2: Absolutely. It so didn't even it, occur
1: to me till you know, probably like midway through that whole sequence. I was like, their assault team and is all female.
2: <laughs> I have to say this about Mando, that every single uh actress in the show, female actress, that has something to do with the plot whether it be, you know, Pellimato or, you know, Fennec, every single actress is 40 or above. Yeah. Oh, it's huge. And you don't see that a lot in Hollywood, because if you reach 40 and you're in Hollywood, you're put out to pasture a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, being well, na is 59. Yeah. And looks 40 because she's a witch.
0: <laughs> a princess.
1: She is a princess witch.
0: <laughs> yep.
2: Um, but yeah, every single person is over the age of 40, and I commend yeah. Disney and Lucasfilm for doing that. I gotta say, that's well done for them.
1: Yep. Older actors, uh, also for the most part, uh, um, uh, not white. Except for, Kay- except for Katie, but you know, that's nice. It's nice. The di- The diversity from this entire, se- uh, not just season, but this whole series, has been so commendable. It's
3: just so refreshing.
1: It's so refreshing. It's... And they're not just background play players or obviously you know I hate to use it but they're not just tokens as they really came off in the sequel series mm-hmm.
3: Which,
0: oh yeah I no, this, know, this would completely not pass the, the Bechdel test for oh, sure uh, uh-huh.
3: but,
1: but it's not just
0: that it, it's the there's such great substance and it was a fantastic shot to see the four of them walking through uh, the bridge and the gantry and all that mm-hmm. uh, they're in charge they're going to secure the deck they're going to execute their plan um, you you if you're a fan, you had no question that this plan was not going to fail because of them. Who knows what's going to happen with Mando uh, because the the plan was a little bit uh, risky uh, that he needs to be in two places almost at the same time and take on these super uh, droid soldiers because the scientists explained that this new version of the Dark Trooper, uh, they have uh, as we alluded to early on in the show, has completely remove the human element so yes. like super battle droids now but they do
1: have to be dark
0: force power capabilities yeah
1: they do have to be activated right and so the whole thing is that they're kind of like in storage on the ship so that that leads to this being uh, another kind of like video game you're up against a timer which sort by of the way episode. that
2: activation thing was bullshit because like a third of the way thir- three-fourths of the way through like the bar going up like the tubes attached and they're like walking out i'm like so they can go I agree with like, you. Why? Yeah. Why are they waiting for the bar to go up? Yeah. The, the whole activation thing was uh, I
1: don't know. That was dumb.
2: I was like, if but, they're moving and the little tubes attached, that means they're a okay. What is yeah. what's what?
1: I they needed a reason this to they needed a reason to separate the party. Oh yeah. That's that's what
2: it was. Uh um, so
1: before separating the party, we have an exchange between Bo and Um Den where she basically says, Look, I don't know, I don't care what goes down, I don't how care how it goes down i gideon need gideon Gideon is mine i need gideon um yeah. and he's like he's worth too much to us for his information and she's like i don't care he just has to surrender to me at least
2: which becomes like, very important later yes but and it, also it makes it to- but it contradicts a bunch of stuff that we've seen in previous oh, yeah. canon, so it's
1: which. So I didn't even think about that because it just means to me. I just thought it was Bo trying to be badass and having a you know a beef with this guy and being like, "Oh, he's mine," you know. It, I agree. Very typical action fantasy trope where the you know the good guy really really wants to kill the bad guy.
2: Yes. And be so, the one to kill the bad guy. So while Finnick, Cara, Bo, and uh, Sasha Banks's character still can't remember her name. Sorry. Sorry. Um they're fighting uh uh Finnick is taking out the stormtroopers left and right. She's being a total badass. Cara is shooting people, bows, kill. They're all just taking out these stormtroopers with ease. Yeah. Um Phen- phenomenal it- action sequence. Yeah, so they take the bridge um and then Mando is about to reach the dark troopers when he realizes oh no, the doors are opening. I'm too late so he gets to the code cylinder portal real quick tries to crank it so you know the doors stay shut one of the uh, dark troopers gets out the rest are staying in their little containment area whatever it's called and he does battle with it and every single thing (laughs) he goes he throws it it just does not dent it at all
1: does he do battle so much as he's thrown around like a ragdoll
2: also well that but he uses those he's, he's uses the whistling birds which still zero from effect. season one which from still from zero one which you and I've talked about this is a bullshit thing saying remember they're use these sparingly as he uses them in most every other episode after that <laughs> sparingly my ass
3: sparingly.
2: so he also uses the uh, flamethrower which you get a really cool shot of the flames coming out of the troopers uh, armor I guess and the only way to take it out is by using the, Bas- uh, the Beskar spear.
1: Yeah. Um, the only which is way. very interesting because it's nice to see this like sort of pinnacle of technology. It gets taken down by a spear. Right? All of the blaster fire, all the little his like mini torpedoes and stuff, they just it they deflect it. Whatever, whatever that this thing these, is made of.
2: Yeah, you see that these things are not built for, you know, just, you know, they're built better than anything else that the Empire is basically built for trooper wise. So yeah, Blasters I'd like to know what
1: it. they're made out of. Are they made out of Beskar?
2: No, I don't think it's Beskar, but it's something that's very close to it, clearly. Hmm. Uh, so Mando shoots the other ones out into space. He pulls an aliens and shoots it into space.
0: And I will say that was on-the-nose aliens. Uh, and so yeah, that's I very cool. that. cool. Um, but I, I did feel like, well, that was a little bit too... Easy? Crazy. Yeah. yeah, and so... I was like, there's got to be more to those troopers than that, which eventually yeah. there were. And at
1: first, it, I was kind of like, well, that's really convenient. Why the hell would they just have an open port to where they're storing their precious cargo? That didn't make sense to me. And then it did make sense to me that, oh, wait, they are just suits of armor. If you need to deploy them, you could just literally deploy them into space.
0: Yeah. Which is probably that. how it happened in the in the tragedy episode. They just. Yeah, exactly. Them they did, yeah. that. So that, that, that
1: did make sense. Yeah.
2: So that happens, and so Din finally finds uh, uh, Grogu and Gideon in the holding cells. Gideon has the Darksaber to him, and this is the funniest shot when he like first sees Grogu. Grogu has, he's cuffed still, and he like lifts his arms up, and he's like, hey, Dad,
1: look. <laughs> Here's the thing.
2: <laughs> it's really, really cute and really kind of funny. He's like, my bad, I got captured. <laughs> so Gideon almost is very kind of sympathetic with his plight to get grogu. Hmm. Uh, you know he he says, you know, you can take him like I have already th- everything that I need.
1: I got what all I, I needed
2: all I needed was his blood <laughs> to uh, give a future and restoration of the empire, which, that's a big clue for episode
0: nine. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. yeah, and he's just like, "Hey, let me take the dark saber. Let me walk. You can take, and we're we'll going our way. I'll yep, go on our way."
0: And he does, he does make reference to the word uh, "order" to the galaxy. So, yes, uh, yes. episode nine is definitely first order, uh, part of the, I guess, the Emperor's plan to wipe out the Empire, which the Emperor has felt uh, failed him, and you know, constitute a new entity that is even more. Um, devoted and more um, absolute in its loyalty.
1: Yes. But of oh, course, gas. Sure. Gas. Yes. Le gas. It, it was a ruse.
0: Yes. <laughs> so, yeah.
2: So Gideon hits, and I can see why uh, Esposito, he said that he broke like three or four of these while filming. I can see why. Sure. Because he's just like, he just whack, <laughs> he's whacking him with it. It's so funny. Uh, so yeah, he's fighting him. I like that the Beskar, it still can't penetrate the Beskar. However, if you notice when he's hitting him, when he's fighting with the spear oh, wait, the we Beskar can it looks like it's heating it up Yeah. to where it could break. So I think if you press against it long enough it'll be malleable at least. So yeah. it's not completely I don't think, you know, within the realm of cutting it, but just wax and hits you're fine with
0: well, and also, you know, Mando's armor does not cover every inch of his body, so no, he has he has the ability to do those deflection plate shots, but there is a danger to him that he could mm-hmm. still be mortally wounded. So it was a well done, very kinetic, very believable. There is a threat here because he was absolutely indestructible, almost like kind of a Master Chief Milner armor type thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It would not have been as as uh, gut wrenching to watch that fight go down. You still knew it wasn't going to be like an ending where Mando was going to lose. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. But, but... When you take all the stakes away, it's not interesting.
0: Exactly. So it, it was, it was a well done melee. Um, and seeing him you re- rely on the spear was a very nice touch.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I was really happy like... to see that he carries it around.
2: Well, I also like seeing that uh, when they're fighting. Uh, he's backed into the wall and he's like cutting the wall as like a lightsaber would. It's yes. a really cool practical effect. It's really cool looking. Um, but yeah, eventually he is defeated. The, he knocks the saber out of his hand and he captures him and brings him to the bridge and Bo-Katan has the most what the fuck face on her.
1: <sighs> yeah.
2: Because she was like, what happened? And he's like, you know, I, I beat him whatever. And, you know, uh, Gideon's like, that's not what she means. Yeah. And he explains that, you know, the Darksaber was won by Din because he defeated Gideon in yeah. combat. It's
1: yours now. It's yours.
2: Yes, it's yours. And so, and G- Din's like, well, nope. And so he goes, well, now it's hers. And she's just staring at it like, I can't fucking take it so
1: freaking here's fundamental a- religious people and there's no, no okay so here's the thing.
2: <laughs> in rebels <coughs> sabine gives the dark saber absolutely to to her yeah willy-nilly and she accepts it she takes it so i'm confused
1: <laughs> i don't know if that's maybe because it's a family thing and that it could not be passed from a family member to a family member, but otherwise it has to be one in combat. I don't know. But,
2: but... Sabine's not family.
1: Oh, Sabine. Sorry. Right, 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 right.
2: What are you thinking of Satine?
1: I was thinking Satine think, first. I,
0: I think why. this is one mm-hmm. where it's like the whole thing with the helmets. I, I think they're um, just kind of coloring outside the lines to allow the plot to be that much more complicated. But I also think it gave uh uh Giancarlo, a fantastic opportunity to kind of monologue for the audience oh, that's what that
1: was yeah
0: is so complicated now. Uh he, he's the Shakespearean chorus filling us all in on what's going on
3: uh-huh.
0: um because earlier on you know she had said to Mando or Bolkatan had said to Mando he has something that I want um, and she explains it and to Mando, it's all you would you would think he would respond to that. He if he's from the even more devoted cult of the Mandalorian mm-hmm. thing about the helmet, he should at least be aware of the dark side. He doesn't care about that at all. He just wants no. to go at and mm-hmm.
3: save the
0: child. So then having Moff Gideon kind of narrate for us how um, this is now not even three dimensional chess, but nine dimensional chess, and we have all these variables happening at the same time. Um, it, it made it. Uh, I can see why they cast him. It, it was wonderful to oh, watch yeah. him chew it up and, and be all, you know, the, the villain <coughs> almost, almost twirling his mustache about what are we doing now? Yeah, poor
1: poor guy is definitely a villain. <laughs> yeah.
2: So my
0: theory so my kind wa- of is
1: oh, go ahead.
2: Well, so clearly Bo lost the dark saber between Rebels and Mando. Yeah. Right. So I think it might be kind of more of a pride thing with her. Like, I've you know, I need to win this back to to honor myself, to redeem myself, mm. because I lost this. I lost this once. I cannot lose it again. I need to fight for this, for my right to the throne of Mandalore. That's how I kind of see it, but that's just that's just me.
1: I thought, I thought it was initially, yeah. But with, I mean, he spelled it out. Uh, Moff Gideon spell it out pretty clearly that no it has to be won in combat it cannot be taken free it, it cannot just be given freely it right. has to be won in combat
2: which again um, it contradicts what this good but
1: contradicts and it also annoys me because this is a trident and over and over again trope um, of movies and television where It's we've got a lack of information. And there's no reason we have we should have this lack of information. You know, it's like it's like the two guys getting in the car and I'll explain it to you when we get there. Okay, well, you were in the car the whole time. Why didn't you just tell them while you were driving? So they were getting there. They had to get here. They were all in the in you know in the shuttle together. She had the time to tell him, Well, it I have to be, you know, I want to take him down and stuff. You know he's a religious extremist. He's going to understand that you got to do shit a certain way for your yeah. beliefs. Just tell him. Tell him, look, I need the Darksaber and it has to be me that takes it. You can't be the one to take it or I can't have it. Just say that. Why it wouldn't you say that? That's a huge piece of information.
2: Set up Bo to maybe kind of not be a villain for season three, but, you know, it may have her play a bigger role in season three than what we were originally going to have her in.
1: Well, I mean, she's always kind of been in that gray extremist area.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, and I think that that is, uh, frankly, I mean, we we haven't discussed how the how the whole thing ends and why it, it could have been originally a c- series finale, but I think they almost feel like they're compelling to us to to see what's going to happen on the Let Us Redeem uh, the Legend of Mandalore if we are going for additional seasons because that is really where the story would seem to go because she said mm-hmm. you know saber if i have the ship then i can go ahead and and store mandalore from what, the emperor's devastation or rather the empire's devastation yeah. so i think
1: well and she asked him when she when yeah. he went over to get them and asked for their help to you know get the child back she was like okay well you got to help me right. bring back mandalore
0: and I think that's where it's going. And, and that's the, I agree with what you're saying, Chris. I mean, she could have filled them all in. that, But that that also is, in my head, the explanation as to why she didn't. She's kind of working like a four-level, not a con, but she's got her own plan. Like, she's mm-hmm. got within plans. Mm-hmm. So um, the... Uh, way it went down again you know referencing my joker was uh they're schemers and when there's schemers it doesn't necessarily go the way you want
2: right Um,
0: and i think that was part of the plan so so moff gideon there literally taunting both sides um and then with the whole aha now i've been basically stalling and here comes the reinforcements to everybody's day except my own um I, I he did
1: th- seem remarkably calm for everything that was going down so yes. yeah
2: because he knew he knew yeah. that the troopers were going to come back and they do he, he, and yeah, they he had an ace up his sleeve they surround the hole inside of the ship and he's saying you know everyone's gonna be dead in here except for me and the kid yep and so everyone is trying to uh you know scramble and stuff and they're being distracted by uh the droid the, the dark trooper trying to get in and He ends up hiding a blaster behind his cape and so he shoots uh, Bo and she goes down, which for the longest time I thought she was dead because they didn't pan back to her once. I'm like, if you fucking killed Bo, I'm gonna be so goddamn pissed. So that happens and then he tries to And Mando throws
0: himself bodily in front of the kid because... Yes, because he tries to shoot him. ...actually kill the kid. So his whole thing of I need the kid he's indispensable, clearly circumstances change enough. So turns me that means he's already got enough to set the restoration of the empire and snoke and the emperor underway that well so he wasn't lying in the cell he literally
1: didn't need the kid anymore yeah
0: no and
2: so he then tries to commit suicide and kara stops him right and that was great the, the droids are just pulling down this door and everyone's just like um what the fuck do we do And lo and behold, we see uh, in the distance from the bridge, a small X-wing flying to frame. And Carr makes their mark saying, oh good, one X-wing, we're saved. Oh joy. Well, so
1: in that very first second, I was like, oh, of course, the New Republic is here to swoop in and save the day. And then I was like, wait, it's one X-wing.
0: Yeah. So I will go ahead and say, because of, uh, as we discussed with my my first appearance on, on your show very kindly, uh, i have an affinity and a connection with luke yes. so i started getting a lot of text messages thursday and friday telling me absolutely don't go on the internet in any shape way or form <laughs> and i'm like when i'm getting and i actually started hearing from people like i haven't heard from in a long time and uh we're not like necessarily even politically connected anymore but, like, when i'm hearing like warnings i'm like this is going to be interesting, and i'm starting to have a few guests and then when you have a lone x wing yep. on uh with that sound that only x wings make um I started literally rocking back and forth that's like, what I was doing is. yep I was like uh, sky Mike I think this is going where no. it's going and and it I will say that when grogu did connect on the uh et phone home channel uh, in the tragedy episode, mm-hmm. I did say like well I don't know who he's connecting with the only Jedi that we know out there is Luke but I don't know if they're going to go in and, and be you know that crazy to go there well guess what they, they did went
1: there. and so we actually discussed this um on a previous episode um uh, with Ahsoka and that there was no way basically we're saying that eventually ahsoka and luke could not have a connection at least they had to know each other they had to know of each other's existence and then further luke would have to know of grogu's existence and would probably seek him out eventually
3: so So it 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 absolutely makes sense
1: absolutely makes sense plot wise i 1000 percent never expected it to happen now
2: oh i didn't think it was gonna be this soon and you get this beautiful score by um, Ludwig Gordonson and you see this because you're still like you see someone with a cloak on, and you're still like, could it be someone else? We don't know because it's in a black and white screen with one lightsaber. We don't see the color yet until he's walking down the the hall, and oh, it's see, a I green it lightsaber. Black.
1: I thought I thought the cloak looked black, and so I was like,
2: see, mm. I couldn't. It just looked dark. I didn't. I couldn't tell, and so I'm like. It's fucking Luke Skywalker, and oh, yeah. I yeah. cheered. I know everyone. I've seen the reactions on online. Everyone cheered. Um, it. Oh, it I wish def- I had been
1: recording. I wish I had known to record my reaction because. Oh, right. uh, you know what? I
0: did know, and screaming. I should have recorded. I didn't think about that. <laughs> uh,
2: it definitely. God, I'm um, screaming. It re- Everyone was saying it redeems a lot of what the last Jedi did to Luke, in yep. people's eyes, which is very fair. Um, he. Takes out these dark troopers with ease. It's Jedi Knight Luke in his prime. Yeah,
1: this is this is Jedi Knight Luke in his prime. This is Anakin Skywalker's son, one thousand percent.
0: Yeah, I will Which... say it is absolutely the coda to the scene in Rogue One where everybody's up, uh,
3: yep.
0: unload. Yep. This is the green saber equivalent of. It's a Skywalker thing, like father, like son. Yeah. absolutely. And just uh, the the dark troopers may be the best that the emperor has and that's why then they go back to stormtroopers because that's just not going to go in and cut it you know he literally was cutting bisecting them in half he crushed one with the force uh, he didn't even slow down
1: that was no. amazing that Rogue was Rogue just...
0: one <gasps> obverse
1: amazing yeah um <laughs> I, can't, I was just so excited i couldn't I, I luke skywalker has been like everything to me since i was a child so and I never thought he'd come back. I thought this was—I thought this was the end of it. And you know,
0: well, I mean, Mark Hamill said that he thought he was done. Um, but you know, as he he said that once for his portrayal of the Joker, and then he admitted yeah. they would never.
1: Yeah, but, but from the forerunners, you know, from Kathleen Kennedy and whatnot, we you know we'd been told that this is it. The Skywalkers have been put to bed. We're not going to see them on screen anymore. And...
0: Right. And I do think though that's why this was originally pitched as the series finale. I, I think yeah. they they decided we're going for broke. We're going to redeem um, the arc that some people had a lot of, you know, pain over, including Mark Hamill. Um, And, um, you know, I may or may not have teared up. And I texted that to a friend of mine and he said, we may all, we may all have teared up or not. Um, And so, um, but I will say for myself, because I have, you know, the boots and the, and the cape and all that, uh, there was no doubt. As soon as I saw him, I'm like, oh, I know was rocking full back and forth
1: yeah and i kept then, saying no uh, this is skywalker and my, like the rest of my family were like oh what if it's like a dark jedi i'm like no it's luke yeah. it's luke
0: so i'm very
2: happy um, they did it. so i was a happy um, camper yeah it's it's a great it was a great 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 thing to see um ha- however when you see his face
1: yeah. Why? yeah, the deep
0: fake yeah. art is still not there. It's not there, there's it, it still some uncanny like valley.
2: There were some great, there were some good shots from far away, but then when they cl- do a close-up for some reason, it looks like he was ran like a PS3 graphic simulator.
1: <laughs> I would, I would, like I wouldn't go that far, but.
2: <laughs> no, it didn't. And at one point also, like when he was talking, the dialogue didn't look like it was synced up to the mouth at one point. Yes.
1: It was just, there was a, that slight uncanny valley. I mean, that said, as I told my friend yesterday, would still smash.
2: So here, here's the thing. <laughs> so he was credited as Mark Hamill, but his voice was young Luke. Yeah, I wondered like, about this too. It wasn't gravelly Mark Hamill that we know now because. No, they probably they like the polished it.
1: Yeah, they, they de-aged I mean, it. They have the yeah. capability to do that.
0: It but also it was in... not
1: him standing there. That wasn't. That was a different actor.
0: Correct. Right. That was a different actor, um, and he's not even credited as Luke. He's just which credited sucks. As Jedi. Um, yeah. <laughs> which I'm like. I actually know some people who work on the show. I'm like, damn. Uh, I need to talk to somebody because I still fit in my tunic,
3: um,
0: <laughs> and I have the cape. And, and could everything. have been your day. And I will go ahead and say um, there is one element to it, which was a fan identification purpose but it serves no purpose for the story it's five years after return of the jedi unless luke is purposely keeping the reminder to not become darth vader he would not have a glove on his right hand that was to hide the blaster damage that he received on jabba's sail barge Mm -hmm. right to repair his artificial hand um before he went to you know the final battle on endor it's five years later. Uh, he can actually have that hole in the back of his hand repaired, um, so the glove serves a purpose for uh, the parents to freak out and their children to go and be like, well, "Who is it? Who is it?" Yeah, no,
1: it was, like it was like a striptease. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a They showed us. They showed us the X-wing. They showed us the cloak and the way he was walking, and then and then. It, the hand and i was like is it wearing a glove it's wearing a glove it's luke i'm like there's no there's no doubt in my mind right now it's luke oh, and sure. then and the then lightsaber the extended saber. and there we go
2: um and then we also get another great um original trilogy appearance of r2d2 oh I yes
0: oh, so which also i think arc. is part of the redemption arc because r2 did not get a good uh, contract in the sequel trilogy <laughs> poor r2
2: no, and also I think he he sees Grogu and he knows that species likes to fuck with him. And he's like, "Ah, oh, shit, another one." Yes, what I would what love this?
1: to know what he would say.
2: <laughs> God damn it! God damn it! Can we just go? We don't. We never saw him. Let's just go. Yeah. So it was great to see him, and you know, Mando has this very heartfelt moment with him, and he says, "You know, he's with your. You're with his people. This is who you're supposed to be with." And Grogu, you know touches the helmet and we see him take off his helmet yet again not caring who behind him will see he doesn't care at this point he just cares about grogu and he takes son? off his helmet yeah he takes off his helmet this is where i got teary-eyed not when seeing Luke, yeah. but i got teary-eyed with this moment also at this and yeah. he, he takes off the helmet and grogu you know touches his face and he goes to luke and you know he does like you know up up
1: yeah and so oh, luke Christ. takes
2: so him cute. So clearly Grogu wants to go with Luke.
1: Well, because well so initially he was hesitant and Luke told him, "No, you have to let you have to tell him that it's yes. okay. He doesn't want to leave yeah. you. But he's better off with me. He needs to be with
2: me." So. Yes. Until Kylo kills him. Um anyway, so oh. <laughs> It's we'll talk uh, about yeah. that in a second. We'll talk about that in a minute. So you know, he takes them and starts walking off. We see a long panning shot of the rest of the, the heist crew, which you see- bara has got
1: standing. a shit-eating grin on her face because you know, she knows. See, I said, you know, she knows who he is. And oh, yeah. the rest well, of my family was see... like, they were like, how does she know who he is? And I'm like, because the princess of her planet is his sister. That's yeah. how she knows who he is.
2: And you see uh, Bo-Katan standing there. So, you know, she's not dead. So I'm like, yeah. oh, thank God they didn't kill her. <laughs> Thanks, Bo. And so they uh, go onto the elevator and f- the shot reminds me a lot of the ending shot of E.T. for some reason. Hmm. And I don't know why, it it's like because of the shadows, because of the camera, I don't know what, but you know, the last shot you see is Mando getting all teary-eyed looking at Grogu and then the elevator door shut and then you got the credits. Yep. So, I, with
3: I, I,
1: no artwork.
2: No artwork at all. So, this, no. does this mean, for you guys, do you think that this wraps up the story of Grogu and Mando?
0: Absolutely.
1: I feel like it, it could. It absolutely could. And it feels but, like, it feels right. So, hmm.
0: But that's not yeah. to say we won't see him, you know, down the road, trained, more Yoda-like. Um, I don't know if we'll have another chance of some skywalker i think we would be um uh, selfish to expect that of course i want it but sure. given that this was uh probably pitched as a series finale um uh you know if they could convince mark hamill to come back great but it would again have to be in a natural way and i i don't not sure that can go ahead and happen they kind of done no. the redemption arc um
1: i so. think it needs to be if they're if they're going to bring luke back for a more permanent position it, it's it's got to be another actor it just has to be it
0: has to be recast no, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it has to be a permanent thing, but just the same thing where like he's in the background and waves goodbye or something you know because he's going on to the jedi temple but but um i think this is it for grogu and i think it it works for the audience because it really is the show about the mandalorian it's not about the child so now he's on to the next task, which might be to, who knows, restore his family name, restore Mandalore, um, you know, that's not to say that, the, that this side of the galaxy won't interact again, but mm-hmm. I, it's, it's a natural closeout.
1: I think, I, I mean, I agree with that, but I think the problem with that is that, you know, Disney is, <laughs> they are money makers and the child, Grogu, Baby Yoda, has been their biggest cash cow ever. The Mandalorian has brought more new Star Wars fans and dissenting Star Wars fans together in a way that nothing else has ever done before. That's true.
0: There seems to be a unified uh, sense that that The Mandalorian is good Star Wars. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and
1: and a key component of that is the relationship between Den and Grogu and the fact that we've never seen a healthy familial relationship in Star Wars before. This is it.
0: True. And who knows? Maybe... Well, maybe just there was Shmi a and Anakin. They had, they
2: had a healthy relationship.
1: There right. I guess so. She was weird. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but You know, and maybe we'll just do a, a Ghostbusters thing, and, and the start of season three will just say five years later. I mean, we don't know, and then Grogu could be back, you know, somewhat more trained up. Right. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm selfish because I want more Luke, but... Oh, absolutely. I, that's that's incredibly unlikely. Um, I'm okay with more baby uh, Yoda, but he can't be a baby indefinitely, or no. that story doesn't make sense. And then as you hinted a few minutes ago, not not to get my inner George R. R. Martin on, but all of this uh, eventually has to lead up to terrible tragedy, um, and yeah. that is a problem, or the last, the sequel trilogy cannot stand on its own. So... Um, you know, I remember interviews with Dave Filoni, uh, I want to say circa season four or five of Clone Wars, where parents were saying, look, you, you created an amazing character in Ahsoka. My daughter now has a hero that she can relate to. And, and then a lot of older people were saying that, you know, it's a strong character, fully developed, please don't kill her off. And I remember seeing interviews with Dave Filoni where he was, uh, like kind of struck by this is not something that he had originally planned on that having Mm that sense but now that generation has grown up in in a world that is completely upside down and we've been through the game of thrones era and so uh okay she she's not a jedi so maybe she could maybe kind of still be alive in episode eight but really all these people have to have a real game of thrones ending otherwise the sequel trilogy cannot work
2: yeah so and it's not to say got... that Grogu, he could maybe not be there at the time that, you know, Kylo destroys the temple. Because it's at least, because Kylo isn't born yet.
1: Well, we're talking about 30 years later.
0: Yeah, but I mean, it, the title is The Last Jedi, and, yeah. and even Luke is so burned over it all, and he understands the whole point of the Jedi is, is no longer good or evil, but it's to fight in balance. He, his line is, it's time for the Jedi to end.
1: But here's the thing, that doesn't mean that still doesn't mean that he's dead because or Ahsoka's dead because again she's no longer a Jedi.
0: Right, and so that's the caveat.
1: If Grogu basically just it doesn't work out and he ends up back with Mando, not a Jedi. Yeah,
0: yeah that's possible. They could be on on Mandalore just you know chilling, uh, <laughs> chilling or a buddy cop move for twenty years helping people in distress.
1: Yeah, so there there are there are outs, but it's hard to not feel like and i know i've seen a lot of discussion about this in the last 24 hours online it's not it's hard not to feel like they're retconning the sequel trilogy or at the very least they're trying to do what the clone wars did which was give substance and soul to the prequel trilogy
2: that's fair
0: yeah i agree with that
2: yeah um so uh we got about i'd say 15 minutes left 15 maybe 20 minutes left before our, our time is up um, so real quick, let's talk about, uh, the, the, the stinger as it is. Um, I was not expecting this.
0: So in the interest of full disclosure, partial disclosure, I knew this was coming because I have a friend who's the art designer on the show. I just mm-hmm. didn't, know they were going to do the reveal. So when they didn't reveal it at the big Disney announcement 10 days ago, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, and then during the the episode was so captivating for me with regard to um, Luke um, when uh, it happened at the end, and I, I, I a number of people told me stay for the first post credit scene. Yeah. So I said, is it going to be Sam Jackson and an eyepatch, which is definitely funny because Absolutely. Both, uh, uh, Nick Fury or Mace Windu, and they go no, but almost as much swagger. So uh, I still couldn't put it together at first, and then at the end when we go back. To- so I'm like that is amazing
1: mm-hmm. well it's interesting so, that you said about, about Sam Jackson because there. So there's an article that came out um, that Disney has taken Star Wars full MCU but the Sam Jackson in this is Mando is Den. he's the one who's bringing all these people together and then giving them their spin-offs
0: yeah right on well absolutely but I I was just uh, blown away by how they did it and Matt Wood at Fortuna um so which
2: speaking of which i saw his name in the credits and i was thinking like where the fuck Wait, was bib well, yeah i thought that maybe he was like a patron in the in the cantina that was just like you know stuck in there for an easter egg i was like oh i'm right. gonna go back and rewatch it but like oh no this job uh, uh, no yeah so i had no idea this happened
1: because so because there wasn't any of the artwork we usually watch the whole thing through because we're watching the artwork it was just in music and i'm happy to sit there and listen to the music my kids are not so much into that they wanted to get to something else and it was kind of late and they wanted to wind down so my daughter ended up just turning it off midway through Ooh. the credits
2: yes because i had to tell you because you're like what well, credits i'm like god
1: it. ian texted me and he was like no you've got to go back through
2: <laughs> yeah because she had no clue and i was like no. and then she yeah. fast forwarded she goes there was nothing there i'm like are you sure no. go back. well that's
1: the thing it fast forwards so fast on disney plus that it went it just skipped well, you know you watch the thumbnail at the bottom of the screen yeah. it skipped right through there was nothing it just kept showing black credits and I'm like dude there's nothing there I just went through it
2: yes but luckily I'm like go go, go back, and try back it again. again try it again Um, but yeah so we see that Bib Fortuna did indeed survive the sail barge assault yeah that was interesting which makes me wonder who else could have maybe survived
1: well like, and how did he take over like because I would assume that after Java died. Some other hut in line took over. Well, the there's hut. so
2: there's a cu- couple of things with that. So first off, I want to know who else survived the sail barge assault because I want Max Rebo to be alive because we <laughs> oh, need more jizz. We
1: need more jizz.
2: <laughs> we need more jizz.
1: Oh my god.
2: Uh oh, and, that's our
1: first reference I think for this season. <laughs>
2: uh, well, <laughs> I was gonna put a reference of that in there somewhere, <laughs> and so, uh. In the EU, uh, Bib Fortuna survived as well, and he hmm. went back to Java's palace, and the palace was ransacked because everyone heard Java died, so it was a free-for-all sure. there. Uh, he ends up having his brain placed in one of those Omar monk spider thingies, and then he like lives out the rest of his days in the palace, basically. It's just so weird. So I like that they kind of took that and expanded upon it. I like that Bib Fortuna is like fat now. Yeah. And like he has these long, disgusting nails. I like that he has his staff from the original 1983 figure that we never saw him and have hmm. in the movie, but the figure came with it for some reason. That was a cool little nod to that. I think it's a douchey thing that he has another Twi'lek as a slave. I'm like, that's your own people, sir.
1: Yeah, he's a-
2: That's your people.
1: <laughs> he's not okay. There's nothing about no. it. Okay.
2: Uh, and
0: but but enough, the imagery that- is important for all of us. It who- is. Yeah, get it like he he's now he's self-appointed himself the main gangster now yeah
2: exactly
0: with all the trappings so
2: uh matthew wood also portrayed bib in episode one so it's not his first time playing him right uh and so it was great seeing you know kind of some background characters chris knows my affinity and love for this set so i was having such a great time seeing it (laughs) um i love that he has his throne on top of jabba's throne yes Mm. With like the two like Rancor heads at the side of the seats, um, but yeah, I like that. You know, he's talking to Boba, and Boba's like, "Shut the fuck up!" and just shoots him.
0: Yeah. So we bring back Ben for
2: one thing and kills him.
0: Yeah, and I even like how Fennec, uh, kind of does the um, Princess Leia intro down the steps. There's a blaster. There's somebody you know thrown to the ground. Mm -hmm. I, I think all the cues uh again it is fan servicing but it it works it works next and it was delightful
2: oh i loved it and then yeah you see Boba walking down and uh he you know i, I,
0: I thought they were going to do boosh or something like that like uh oh like a yeah you know but but it worked out very well
2: bibbs like hey i heard you were alive how are you buddy and then just gets (laughs) blasted in the smithereens Nope. he gets thrown off the the throne and boba sits promptly Finnick gets like a jar of god knows what and just starts drinking it
1: some alcohol i love that that was that was the the high point of that for me her just i want i want a statue
2: of him of that shot i want a statue made by sideshow exactly yeah
1: Yep. Um, absolutely.
2: And so he sits on the throne and it cuts to black, and then we see uh Very the book James of Boba Fett Bond. coming December 2021. Yep. yep. So does this mean this is going to be what season three is a Mandalorian of Mando, or is this going to be its own separate series? Because there's a okay. huge debate on it right now.
1: Yeah. And here is my argument for it it being part of the Mando series. One It's the same release date as Mandalorian, chapter three, that we've already gotten, December
2: 2021.
1: Okay. Two, they're calling it the Book of Boba, and they've already called all of the Mandalorian episodes chapters. So this could be the Mandalorian season three, the Book of Boba.
2: That's fair. That's my argument for it. Um, Or it could
1: be a spinoff show. I don't know.
2: (laughs) I don't know. I think that there's a lot of stuff not wrapped up with. Mando at the end of the season finale so like you know there's but a that doesn't whole mean he's never thing. coming back no I. that's true but I, I I, I want it to be two separate series but at the same time I can see it being the subtitle of season three
0: yeah and I don't have enough information on that um, the, the information I got from my friend who's working on it is it's its own show but the way the way you can read it is meaning it's its own show within the show. Um right, sure. so my belief is it it will be a separate kind of mini series that then um will do lots of crossovers. So it's kind of like how CW does its annual crossover event. All oh, right, it's DC mm-hmm. stuff, yeah. Yeah. So in this case, you're gonna have potentially uh and, and so Fafro and the and Feloni are, are kind of madmen, but our hats off to them because you're gonna have four shows all contemporarily contemporaneously placed that should somewhat intersect yeah should be uh main mando boba fett um bo or rather ahsoka and i figured that bo-katan will, will bounce between the mando and, and ahsoka and then Agreed. Uh, yeah
2: it's a lot it's this is what we're talking about when we say like the mcu of star wars this is how it how it starts um so I cannot wait because that means uh, Tamara Morrison's coming back as Boba Fett. That means that it's a good. That means that probably Ming Na Wen's gonna come back as Finnick. Uh, yeah, we're gonna sure. see adventures from them, which is great. Boba Fett is gonna be taking over the the Hut Hut Space and Hut Crime family, basically. Um, so it's a. It makes me very excited, and also,
0: it's gonna be a great Christmas present.
3: <laughs> yeah, I will. it is, and
0: I and I will go ahead and say just to to play the the note one last time you know Luke and Han and Leia are still out there and mm-hmm. it was an interesting arc then for Boba Fett because technically he has a bounty out on Han or at least they're not friends and he knows that Han's now a general Leia's trying to organize a new republic and the last time Luke and uh, Boba Fett met up that wasn't exactly a peaceful meeting so nope well i'm sure he blames still...
1: luke for dying or...
0: exactly and in the sarlacc and all that so yeah. and that han hit him in the jetpack so so these are a smoldering fires that if they wanted to, they could give us a little more candy here and there. I, sure. I, I'm i resigned to the fact that they won't, but it's out there. I agree. Well,
1: I mean, I never in a thousand years thought they'd bring Luke back
2: on this show. Right. And there you go. So, that being said, how do you guys rate the season finale?
1: I, I It did feel a little bit... It felt premature. Like, I wish, I wish we'd gotten... I wish we'd gotten more before we pulled Luke out. I I really do. But I'm not mad. I'm not mad about it. It just felt, it just felt too early. And I know a lot of people are arguing that it's, it's pure fan service. There is some fan service too, but it also, it just makes sense within the, the deeper story that we've already gotten. He's, he's the main Jedi out there and they were literally calling for a Jedi, any Jedi to pick up the phone. So it, is it really surprising that it was him that did it? When he we know he's out there looking? Right. I don't know. I, I think I mean, it makes sense.
0: So, right. So Lawrence, I'm, I'm a am compromised on this episode. Right. So I was saying I, I'm a multi-compromised on this episode because of Luke, um, but I, I, I will go back to, I think this really was meant series finale, and I agree with Chris. If this were the last scene in, in season five, like five to seven seasons of Mando, sure. I think all been like that's the way to do it you you spike the the football in the end zone and we're out especially the way the elevator closes on a kind of a a inverse shot of how when luke was brought to the throne room in return the jedi uh standing on the right in in this one but in it it was vader um in return the jedi so i mean there were just some great images here i will go in and say i did not like the score part of luke's appearance because I, I it was a lot of minor key it was a lot i don't know too much about music theory but i mean it just it was it was it was designed to make us more nervous and it was like
3: yeah
0: how notes and but it wasn't the soaring if you're going to bring luke back i don't necessarily need the full luke you know do but you got to give me more than what you did there it didn't quite that part didn't quite work for me then agree
1: absolutely agree
0: sons which was perfect but i needed more of that or repurpose the music from the the throne room in return of the jedi and i know they don't want to be too on the note with with certain music cues but if you're bringing luke back you you got to give me more than nervous music for that segment um but otherwise, the episode set itself was fantastic, and and like I said, I'm I'm emotionally compromised, so it's a ten. But I realize I'm not objective enough.
1: Yeah, no, same.
2: For me, it's a ten out of ten. I loved it. I personally like the music with Luke. I found it, you know, daring because they wanted to try something new, and I still think that it worked because you know it's, Luke's you know not supposed to necessarily have a lot of like heavy big music with him because he's not that character necessarily he's he's had it you know a few times but not like you know Vader's had it a lot or you know Ahsoka's had Mm, it a lot or you know Obi-Wan even so I liked the music with it um again the season finale it did I can see now where you're saying it seemed like a series finale shot um but 10 out of 10 for me for sure and especially with the stinger at the end again 10 out of 10 um and speaking of which uh we mentioned this at the uh, previous episode chris and i but the original boba fett and you mentioned as well has passed away mm. um so we are dedicating this whole episode to jeremy bullock in his Absolutely. honor uh because these three episodes feature Fett heavily in them chris said that you guys uh that you both had stories on him so if you want to share a quick story or two before we sign off for the season please go ahead
1: yeah so um some years ago, uh, well, I was, uh, both Lawrence and I were working um, an event at, I believe it's called Frank's. It's like this giant warehouse of awesome pop culture memorabilia. Frank and Sons. Frank and Sons. That's it. Thank you. Um, we were working that, uh, we were trooping, and I uh, I was actually a stormtrooper that day. Uh, and I was the only, f- I was the only woman there. <laughs> um, so they gave me a dressing room to dress out uh to put the armor on and the dressing room was already occupied by the other person who needed their own personal space and that was jeremy bullock who oh yes sue so was also appearing this event at, at this event in armor oh cool So he right, actually so... borrowed another First members boba fett armor and donned the armor for this event
0: so there was a group of 501st people. This was before the Mandalorian Mercs, uh, which is another costuming group, uh, had really hit critical mass. And there yeah. was a segment of 501st members uh, who, who commissioned and gave Jeremy Bullock his own set of accurate Boba Fett armor. So he I saw have, that, yeah. He didn't have that with him, so another member who uh, was a member of that construction crew had his own set of, um, you know, spot-on, authentically... Um, Uh, replica armor and uh, provided that uh, to Jeremy and they helped dress him.
1: Yeah, so it was just, it was just me and him in this room. (laughs) Um, Absolutely lovely English gentleman, just just this very, very sweet guy. Um, I helped him put on a couple pieces. He helped me put on a couple pieces. He he, he made a joke about how they certainly didn't make stormtroopers like me in his day. And (laughs) (laughs) just really, really, really fantastically sweet man um and, and very you know very sad that he has passed uh obviously he you know he lived a, a decently long life seems like it was pretty fulfilling i'm i'm really hopeful that he was able to see his character return to the screen the screen before he passed um that's my final hope but
0: yeah and I will say a nice touch in the last two episodes, I think uh, I think it was the last two episodes where um, Boba Fett has the EE3. At first I was like, well, where's the EE3? So he's mm-hmm. full back in that Jeremy book type appearance
3: mm-hmm. with
0: his unique blaster. Um, and, and I do think a lot of credit to the image of Boba Fett uh, lies in those, I don't know, whatever it is, seven, eight minutes from the 80s where yeah. it just had that that swagger that um, has formed, and with the spurs, that has formed the image we have now.
1: Yeah, there's absolutely that that ability to emote behind armor that not yes. everybody has.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, I, Lawrence, do you have any stories on him or did you?
0: Well, just the one I, I referenced, it was at Celebration Four. I um, was actually about to make a purchase of some Boba Fett art um, of all things um, at one table, uh, I, not sure if it's classy for me to identify the artist, Matt Burson, <laughs> but um, he um, had a uh, guest come up right while I was getting ready to purchase, and it's Mr. Buller. So he had a bunch of um, uh, set-asides and, uh, of the art that he uh, had commissioned, mm-hmm. poster, and he had Jeremy sign it. And I had already Commenced to the purchase, and I said, "Well, I'll go ahead and take one of those." And instantly, the price went up. But oh, of course, left the table. I had not um, done anything. I was right there, and the price went up. And before even I could say anything, Jeremy goes, "No, no, he gets it at the same price."
3: That's awesome.
0: So, um, meaning that I don't get the jack up. You know, everybody else who yeah. comes afterwards, they get. They can get the high high uh, right for the autograph, but not not for me. And I was very much touched by that. And I can't remember, but I think I may have still been in my Jedi Luke tunic. So it literally was Boba Fett in this case saving Luke.
2: <laughs> that's awesome. That's nice. I just uh, an
0: excellent, an excellent, very nice man.
2: Yes, I heard nothing but nice things about him. So, our our. Our buckets are off to you, Jeremy. Absolutely. Yes. Um, so that wraps us up here. That was a whirlwind of an episode. Uh, real quick, Lawrence, where can they, uh, where can our people find you on the social medias?
0: Uh, I'm just on Twitter, and it's at Lawrence underscore Green, G-R-E-E-N.
2: Um, Chris, where can they find you?
1: On Twitter, I am the Dirt Witch, and on Instagram, I am Chris Jaded.
2: And of course you can find me at house of turner cosplay on instagram and uh facebook and twitter it's ir turner and don't forget our twitter uh handle is at echo station cast um don't forget to follow us subscribe all that good stuff because this like we said before this is our winter finale so we're going on a brief winter break um we won't be back until 2021 probably very early february we're thinking mm-hmm. somewhere around there uh we will have uh coming up next season we will have our final uh mini series of Padme's closet we will have more species spotlights we're gonna have some special guests on it's gonna be a whirlwind of uh a season so we cannot wait to bring you guys new episodes but uh chris and i definitely need uh, a mental health break from this Absolutely. <laughs> to, say the least. Um, to take you some know processing 20... time <laughs> yes so we can take 2020 out with our with a bang with our own uh, resources instead of ending it with the show itself so yes. uh like I said this is our last episode for a bit <clears throat> we'll be retweeting stuff obviously if big news happens if something super huge happens we'll probably come back for a little special episode but expect us around early early february for for equitation to return so until then guys have a very happy holiday have a safe holiday have a very happy new year uh bring nothing but good and positive vibes out for 2021 because god knows we need it Um, (laughs) here here and until next time
0: uh may the force be with you guys
1: thanks again for uh being with us lawrence and may the force be with you
0: Thank you so much for having me again. And truly, I uh, hope everybody has a wonderful 2021 and uh, we see each other back for more adventures in a galaxy far, far away. May the force be with you.